welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. Welcome to another edition of the Dojo Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Serial Sensei. We are on episode number 151. As always, you can give this podcast a listen on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube. Send questions to Dojo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. Hit us up on social media at the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page, as well as the Instagram page. And you can follow, follow me on Twitter and Twitch at Serial Sensei. <clears throat> and of course, as always, I'm joined with my co host, Antaku. What's going on, man? Uh, not much. Uh, I know I said I'd have something for this week. It's not, it's not, it's not spicy, but. You know, to start off the show, because I feel I feel like that's the part that's good. I, I've gotten lazy on, because we used to start the show with like all these r- great conversations about ringtone rapper uh, reunion <laughs> tours, and I, I I guess competitive masturbation. <laughs> oh, that was a thing. That was a thing we talked about, and yet you let us talk about. Um, wow, oh. it's been chill. Um. So, so have I asked you about your takes on the Joker movie um, that is coming out, that is not currently out? I feel like we might have talked about it. I don't know if we talked about it on air, though. Uh, might, maybe not. Um, <laughs> You know what's crazy that you brought that up? <laughs> Ever since you said, um, I don't remember if this was on, on air or off air, but you mentioned that this is going to be the perfect movie for a movie shooting to happen. Yeah. And I've really been thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honestly like, because I, I I do want to go see it. I really actually do really want to go see this. I think is, I, I think it's gonna be good. Uh, well, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that'll be good. And then when I really thought about what you said, I was like, you know what, he's he might have said that in jokingly, but oh no, one hundred percent serious. <laughs> I was like, oh man, nah, I think when I really sit and think about it, uh, maybe I could wait a week or two. <laughs> maybe, maybe not so much opening week. I don't know what kind of crowd, you know, that might bring out. But, but I, normally when I do go see movies, um, I normally catch matinees. And the theater that I go to, I don't go to the cool kids theater. Uh, I go to the one that nobody goes to because nobody goes there, so I can. I never have to fight to find a seat. Normally, it's a pretty empty theater. Uh, I think the only two times I've seen my movie theater like jam packed was uh, Infinity. No, not Infinity. It was uh, Endgame. It was packed, and probably Star Wars. I want to say, and then when the Dragon Ball Z movie came out. So all right, so like three times. So like three times out of like a billion has my theater been packed. Right. I don't think Joker is gonna. I don't know. We might have a Joker crowd out here. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like my my whole thing is like. So. What, what was it? The Dark Knight. Hmm. It wasn't a very subtle movie in terms of like, oh. 
the the Joker was wrong about his perceptions of what humanity is, and that when the chips are down, people will turn against you. Like that was the whole point of the movie, right? Right. I don't know. I don't know if I trust the guy from the Hangover movies. To 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 not create something that is like I don't want a Joker anti-hero because he's not an anti-hero. That and I don't want a Joker that <laughs> this better not be one of those stories where it's like, oh, I became the Joker because I got bullied and people called me names when I was little. But apparently it's because he was a bad stand-up comedian and no one laughed at his jokes and he got beat up on the job. That's all I got from the trailer. Cause I remember, I'm trying to remember what they did in The Killing Joke. Well, his, that, in The Killing Joke, he was a bad stand-up comedian who got like, who fell in with the mob. Yeah. And I think they like killed his wife and like, Batman beat him up and threw him into like a vat of acid that bleached his skin and gave him green hair. Which doesn't, which even in the killing joke, they're like, uh, he, he, wait, he blatantly states like he doesn't remember his own backstory. Like, it, it, he, if he's, every time he tells a story, it's a little different. Right. So even that, it's just, you take that with a grain of salt. But like, my point being, dude, I, I don't need a character movie about the Joker. Like, th- there is a whole bunch of other... And obviously, none of them are as, like, lucrative as making, like, a Joker film. But, like, we live in a society Joker is probably the lamest angle to take on a movie. <laughs> like, yeah. give, give me the Dr. Free... Like, the Mr. Freeze, like... Yeah. Fucking capitalism is killing my wife movie. G- give me, like... um, I don't know, like... Solomon Grundy would be an interesting movie. That's just an interesting concept. But, like, I'm good, like, maybe it's just because I've read the comics and, like, I've been inundated with, like, the Joker. And we have, like, basically, like, three or four video games where he's basically the star of. I, I don't need more. I think I... I don't mind it. I'm almost expecting this movie to be one of those movies where, like, I feel like the acting is going to be excellent. Like, I'm going to like the movie, but when I really sit with it and, like, look over the plot, I'm going to be like, uh, this was, yeah. <laughs> like, like, the motivations are probably going to be really just kind of, like, lackluster, but, like, yeah. everything else will be good. But I'll look at, like, what motivated the movie, and I'll be like, ah, this was kind of lazy. I think Joaquin Phoenix is gonna. I think he's gonna do a good job as a Joker. I think he's gonna do a great job. Fantastic! He's a fantastic actor. Like, I just, I don't know. The the move the the movie itself from just, I think if you detach all of the social and everything else around it, it'll be a great movie. But once you look at it like in context and, you know you kind of put that reality spin on it, I guess, it'll be like, eh, you guys probably shouldn't know. This might not be it. <laughs> this might not be it. I'm gonna go see it, though. I'm I'm gonna... I haven't been to the movies in a while, actually. I've been on, been on a, a hiatus. I haven't been to the movies since Brightburn came out, I think. Now it's back in, like, June. June, mm-hmm. July. So it's been, it's been a little bit for me. So Joker might bring me back out. I think the last movie I saw was Endgame. 
Which I, yeah. yeah, like I feel bad. Like I, there's been movies I've wanted to see. I've just been too lazy to get up and actually go to the theater. Yeah, I've yeah, I've been kind of burnt out. So I just haven't really, I haven't felt like going. But you know, I'll make that a thing. Then whenever either one of us sees Joker, we'll start off the episode. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll we'll let we'll let out how we feel. We'll see how that goes. But um, yeah. So that was our intro spiel. Uh, I don't really have much interesting. I did some cool things the other day, but I don't think anybody really cares. I went to Delaware. Delaware was cool. You got tolls are crazy though. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you're like right there too. Right. Like <laughs> I drive thirty minutes. Well, I mean, to get where I was going, I went to the Christiana Mall. Um, well, that's right, where my dad lives. Yeah. Uh, so it only took me about. I don't even think maybe under an hour. It was probably about under an hour to get up there. Um, but like to get to Delaware for me is only about a 35 to like cross state lines, 30, 35 minute drive. Why am I paying $8 in tolls? Like, I, brother, I live right here. Like, <laughs> and Delaware's got to fucking pay for that highway somehow. Yeah, uh, they got uh, like, so, uh, so after Jersey, like, I'm not used to driving on any other highways, like. The only time I drove in a highway in, like, PA, I got a ticket for speeding. Like, a really bad ticket. I was going 30 miles over the speed limit. Mm. I think we talked about that. But, um... I mean, what What is the deal with, like, once we leave... Once I go south of Jersey, there's just, like, 20-lane highways. Because, <laughs> like, I, you know, I, I, I use the turnpike in the... In the uh, the parkway up here when I want to get around and it's like it's never goes more than like three or four lanes and I, I guess you know it's they split it up you know they have like one for trucks and buses and stuff and one for cars but like I go to Delaware a state that has a smaller population than the county I live in in here in Jersey and there's like 50 lanes and they're always full of cars can you, can you and in Christian Mall like that place is packed every time I pass it. Yeah, I got lucky. I found a I found a really good parking spot when I got there. I got I got lucky. The mall wasn't too crowded though. It wasn't it wasn't too crowded. I went around Saturday, probably around uh I don't know. I, think I got there at like one. Yeah. One one two o'clock. But it was it was a cool it was a cool time it was a cool time so shout out to Delaware but y'all tolls uh, out of control out of control but the mall was cool so that was cool but uh you know somehow I was gonna try to segue Delaware into the listeners but uh, you guys aren't in the top five um, <laughs> I think you guys are even on the list but you know maybe there's a listener out there maybe possibly but. As far as listeners, top cities for the week. Number one, San Francisco, California. Number two, Oklahoma, Florida. Uh, number three, Atlanta, Georgia. Number four, Los Angeles, California. And number five, Amon, Jordan. I'm saying that right? So, shout out to you guys, Amon, Jordan. But I uh, appreciate all the listeners, wherever you are. Share, repost, retweet, tag a friend, tell them they need to listen. Um, all that good stuff. So, as far as today's episode, 
Um, I feel like there are some random happenings we could talk, not really go in depth about, but just recently mentioned, like Karate Combat uh, had a random card yesterday. They claimed it started at like 8, didn't start till 8.50. No, 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 they claimed it would start at 7. Oh, <laughs> 7. <laughs> they, pushed the, they pushed the start time back every 10 minutes until, until about 8.50, and then it finally started. But yeah, if, you, if you're interested in Karate Combat, that is a thing again. The full card is on their YouTube page. Uh, there was some boxing uh, this weekend also. Don't remember a lot of names, but a couple of people got flatlined. But we'll mostly be pretty much strictly talking uh, UFC Mexico City. But before we get to that, as always, got to start with the fight announcements and news for the week. Um, not really a ton of news, but I got a pretty actually decent amount of fight announcements to go through. So I will just run this from the top. Um, probably one of the biggest fights that got announced. Uh, actually, I think like literally this got announced yesterday. Um, UFC 245. Uh, we were we had talked about after Max Holloway's last fight about uh, when we thought we would see him again. Well, we will get to see him at UFC 245. Uh, he will be defending his featherweight title against against Alexander Volkanovsky. And also on the same card, we will be treated to Robbie Lawler versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. So, that's a lot of violence in two fights. Um, I'm digging it. Um, how, do you, how do you think Volkanovski's chances are against, uh, against Holloway? Um, I'd like them better if he, if he was a bit long, uh, taller. Like, uh, I just see, like, I, I think Frankie had some success because of his, like, height. But Frankie's also a dude who likes to come in from the outside. Um, like Volk, I, I I just see Volk getting caught at the end of Max Holloway's range because and Max is really really good at keeping guys at the end of his range if he wants them to be. Um, I I think it'll be interesting because I think we're going to see a little bit more of the Matador style we've seen from Max. Um, like I don't think he'll be the one pressuring Volk until. Either Volk breaks or slows down, which might not never, might not happen in the fight. Um, but yeah, I think I think Max takes it probably by decision, maybe a late stoppage, but probably by decision. Hmm. Uh, I, I really like Volkanovski's chances, because um, dude is just one of those guys that just kind of never. He's just always in your face. Dude is just like a tank. Ah, I don't know if I can pick him to win though. Like I think he can win. If he does win, I honestly wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I really like what I saw from him in the Mendez fight, but I think he'll make it really, really competitive. But I, yeah, I think I can see him probably dropping a really hard fought, probably five round decision. Um, but that's that's going to be an amazing fight. I think um, I think one X factor um, before we hop off it um, is. Volk's wrestling, because we saw Dustin Poirier take Max down, but and Max not be able to do much of anything to get back up. But um, I I don't think Max actually prepared for Poirier to take him down. I I like. Do you remember the last time before that fight Poirier shot on anybody? Right. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, that that, that's something to pay attention to. Yeah. That that's gonna be an awesome fight though. As as Will Lawler and uh, Ponzinibbio. I gotta be honest though, man. 
think Ponzi's going to get him out of there. Probably. Yeah. Uh, the one, um, so, our, uh, he's, Lawler's lost to, like, RDA and Colby Covington his last couple times out, right? So, my thought process is, um, those are two guys who can go to the wrestling, who like to fight in the clinch, who like to push people back. Um, Ponzi doesn't really do much of that. Like, he'll fight behind the jab, but he's very much, um, I, I guess, a boxer puncher. Like, he will just fight with you at range. Like, he will fight at range, but it's not like an outfighter range. It's like a mid-range between, like, in the pocket and on the outside. Um, and then that gives Lawler a chance. I, I don't like his chances over the court. Like, is this the main event of, um... What card was this announced for again? No, this is still on. Uh, this is on two forty-five. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, I thought it was like a fight night somewhere. Um, yeah. Um, even in a fifteen-minute fight, like, I, I guess it just comes down to how active will Lawler be because he's kind of he kind of just shut down his like against RDA and Kobe, and that was in large part because of what the other guys were doing. But at the same time, like, Lawler get see it, like his body broke down in the RDA fight. Um, and like, it, it it seems like it's getting harder and harder for him to pull the trigger. Like even against Covington, who is admittedly a way higher pace fighter and probably just so much more difficult to just be like, j- just to decide to like, stand, plant your feet, and throw something. Like he did not at any point have the urgency to be like, okay, I'm down four rounds. Let me just go out here and spam attacks until something happens or I lose. Yeah, we spent the whole fight just kind of waiting for a moment that just never really, <laughs> just kind of never really happened. Right, and I'm, I'm curious if if that if that has more to do with Covington's evolution as a striker, or that Lawler is just slowing down. I mean, it could be a little bit of both. As much as I hate giving a Kobe props, like that kind of pressure just probably broke him a little bit. Like, right. Yeah, they're really, really just kind of overwhelming to deal with. I just feel like Lawler and Ponzi is going to be one of those fights that's fun until it's over. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's probably going to be over. Or I, I'll give it like round two. Was this the, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, nah, I think it'll be just be fun until eventually. Uh, I think he's going to crack Robbie. I, uh, I, I can see it. Yeah. Um, was this the last fight they announced for uh, UFC 245 this week? Uh, last one I saw. There could be more, but um, I feel I like know, what I've seen, seen that card is pretty, uh... Yeah, no, that card's great so far. Yeah, um, yeah. I want to say... Oh, there were two other things from that card. Um, so Dana White came out and said that this will be a three-fight, uh, three-title fight pay-per-view. Yeah, I think they're, tri- they're still trying to find, uh... The third one. The third one, yeah. Um, I'm guessing it's probably going to be Jones? Right, because Jones said he wanted to fight three times this year. Cejudo's gone until apparently March, so that's two titles off the table. Um, I, I don't know what's happened with Khabib and Tony. Um, so and who knows what's happening with Stipe and uh, DC? Oh, might as well squeeze in Jones because that card's in December. You might as well squeeze in Jones before. But- at the same time, I can't think of a person for Jones to fight because the UFC just booked all the like, heavyweights against each other. 
So uh, unless they want to run back Anthony Smith, it, they, it's Slim Pickens. So we'll see, we'll see. But two, yeah, two two forty five is gonna be fire though. Oh one oh I got one bit of news from there. Um, okay. Remember Kellen Vieira? She left. She's she's out there. She is out there, and she said the UFC. Uh, she just got cleared to start training again. Um, hey. And the she's and the, she went. Uh, she spoke to um, who was it? I don't think it was Buddy Elba. I think it was an MMA junkie. Um, but she spoke to some um, news organization, and they were. And she was like, "The UFC offered me a fight for uh, UFC 245." There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So she spent. For those that know, um, Yara is a top five women's bantamweight, undefeated. I think she's ten to no. Nova Unyao fighter. Um, she spent the last year and a half unable to train because she tore, I think she tore something in her legs. I don't know if it was like an ACL tear or not, but um, she's basically not been able to train. Um, and she probably would have had to retire because she was broke at the time. Um, the only reason she's been able to get surgery at all is because uh, Nova Unyao, uh boss man, Andre Pernaris, paid for it. So she has been Unable to train, and because of her injuries, I'm unable to actually work. So that's what being a top five fighter in the UFC gets you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that is. Could you imagine, like, trying to take a top five player in the NBA who would be close to, like, number five? If you were, like, I'm just throwing a name out there. If you're, like, Paul George, and you could, <laughs> like, you couldn't afford to play your sport. Because you were too broke, like you got injured and you had no, you had no ways to like sustain your living outside of that. That's right. Jesus Christ, that is that is crazy. But I'm I'm glad she's back though. That's that's great news. I'm glad she's back. So definitely looking forward to that. So 245 is gonna be fire. Uh, speaking of fire, another fight I'm looking uh, forward to at UFC South Korea will have Volkan Uzdemir versus Alexander Rachik. Always great when there's a 205 fight like outside of Jones that like you're actually looking forward to. <laughs> so I'm happy for that one. That should be a really fun fight. Um at UFC Moscow, uh <laughs> some interesting happened. So like last week we came on here and I had to let you guys know that Zabit had to pull out of the fight with Calvin uh Cater. Fight's back on. And it's at UFC Moscow. So three weeks later. Right. <laughs> So, you know, uh, I ain't going to say nothing, but, you know, you connect some dots. You read between some lines, you know. I got uh, something there. I, I, I feel horrible for Calvin Cater because he misses a shot to fight in front of his home crowd in Boston. And now he has to go all the way to fucking Russia. Right. <laughs> I'm just saying, sounds like a setup. Sounds like a setup. But... The beat versus Calvin Cater is back on at UC Moscow, so at least it's a fight again. Just you know, I, I think uh, I, I um I want to say the UFC was like this is one of those instances where like MMA is like strangely fortunate for like it like the the spirit of MMA is strangely like benefits the UFC, but at the same time it's like. It just feels dirty. Yeah, yeah. Well, as soon as I saw that announcement, I was like, mm, 
Mm-hmm. I see what's going on here. Because I see the rest of this card, and it's not good. Um, I think there's somebody at the door. I think I'll answer that. All right. I'll, oh. I'll just keep rattling off fights. All right. <laughs> but uh, continuing also at UFC Moscow, we will have Jessica Rose Clark versus Panny Kianzad, and we will also have Anthony Rocco Martin versus Ramazan Ameev. Um, at UFC Copenhagen, ah, at UFC Copenhagen, we will have Giga. Uh, God, I, I'm gonna butcher this name. And of course, the Antaku left right when I need help with the name pronouncement. Uh, name pronouncing. Uh, Giga Chickadees. I probably said that wrong. But he was a former Glory kickboxer. Um, he will be making his uh, not his MMA debut, but his UFC debut against Brandon Davis, which I guess you know, pretty good debut matchup he'll get a chance to showcase his striking because you with brandon davis you kind of know what you're going to get he, he's just here to throw hands and that'll give giga a chance to get off whatever he wants to get off he'll have probably every opportunity in the world to to showcase his striking so that'll be going down at ufc copenhagen um at ufc 244 we will have shane burgos uh, versus maquan americani that should be a really awesome fight yeah um i'm back there we go. <laughs> yep, apparently, I have a ghost. <laughs> I mean, really? Yes. Because I heard the doorbell ring. <laughs> yeah, no, that is a ghost because there was nobody there. And it's not even like they were, it's not even like a ding dong ditch situation because we have a camera. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. The Antakul disappears uh, <sighs> at some point during this podcast. I probably deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> It's the ghost um, of Jack May coming back to haunt me. <laughs> a bare knuckle ghost. That is terrifying. <laughs> but um, I guess I'll circle back because you stepped away for a second. Because uh, you, you brought up uh, Giga. Uh... Yeah, okay, all right. So you can't say it either. All right, so we both. <laughs> I mean, when your first name's Giga, do you really need a last name? Right. <laughs> I was just going to say, because you had brought him up uh, last podcast, so he's, he'll be fighting Brandon Davis at UFC Copenhagen. Ooh. So he'll have a chance to showcase, uh, you know. Some kickboxing. Yeah, because there won't hopefully. be no takedowns in that fight. I mean, you say that, but maybe Davis has learned. Nah. <laughs> then again, that might threaten his job security. Yeah, you got yeah, you got to go out there with the. Like he shoots for a takedown. Dana White just hops in the in the cage, like immediately doesn't even wait for the fight. To, it's like you're not here to take people down, right? <laughs> you stand up and you take that ass whooping. <laughs> Man, you see Dana walk in and do the rough wave off. <laughs> Brandon Davis has gigging like full mount. Dana just jumps in like nah, this fight's over. Oh, man. Um, and the last fight I mentioned, uh, right when you came back, was Shane Burgos versus uh, Mac Juan Americani at UFC 244. Um, I'll come back to the UFC news. Um, actually, one of the news is kind of a fight announcement, but I'll, I'll circle back after I finish the rest of these. Um, so that's all I have for UFC fight announcements. And then Bellator actually has a couple of fight announcements going on. Um, at Bellator Dublin, you'll have James Gallagher versus Roman Salazar. Um, at Bellator 231, uh, Jack Swagger will be back. He will be facing off against a gentleman named Anthony Garrett. And Beck Rawlings will be making her Bellator debut against Elena Joanne. Uh, at Bellator 229, we'll have Carrie Melendez versus Mandy Polk. At Bellator 232, the homie, 
former Glory featherweight and lightweight champion Robin Van Roosmalen will be making his promotional debut against Chris Linciani. Um, Wait, is that uh, the, the Italian card? I guess so. Is that the kickboxing card? Or one of the two MMA cards happening? No, it today? should be. I think it's the MMA one. Okay. It should be. That's, that seems like... If I got like one of the best kickboxers in the world, I'd probably put them in my kickboxing organization. Though I understand why they'd want him on the one that's probably going to get broadcast on TV. Yeah, and the one that they actually like pay attention to and acknowledge. They're like, <laughs> yeah. They they just go to Robin and they're like, Robin, this is this is strictly for the Italians. Right. Georgia Petrosian gets to fight here, not you. <laughs> but glad we'll get to see him. Def always down for. Uh... Robin fight. Interesting to see how his, excuse me, his uh, MMA career goes. And it's, uh, for some signees for Bellator, um, they finally signed Nick Newell to a multi-fight contract. Uh, so that's awesome. And a little bit of news that I randomly stumbled upon yesterday. Uh, former UFC and Combates America bantamweight Eric Perez signed with Bellator. Oh, great. Yeah, I've been awesome. saying forever that Bellator should find, sign like a really good like Hispanic fighter. There we go. So I, 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 that was cool to see. I was happy to see him. Uh, happy to see that sign. Another I'm happy random. Eric is still out here. Yeah, right, right. I was yeah, I was just happy to see his name like in a headline. Like he's still, he's still out here fighting. So that's that's awesome. A, a fight that I randomly wrote down that I probably won't even watch. Oh, you know I'm lying. I might watch it. <laughs> I saw Puds' name in the headline. I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta write this down. Yeah. Yeah, Puds is back. Uh, the goat. Yeah, Puds is back. If you guys don't know, Marius uh, Pudzanowski, if I'm saying that right, probably said that wrong. But uh, he will be facing off at KSW 51 against a gentleman named Urko Jun, or Jun, uh, who is some kind of, Bos I think he's Bosnian bodybuilder or something. Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, he's, a, he's, he's a big Bosnian guy, I guess. Um, but that's going down at KSW 51. Go support Puds. Uh, and the last set of fight announcements uh, come from Ryzen, their lightweight Grand Prix, which goes down um, on Ryzen 19th at on October 12th. Um, we will have Tofik Musayev versus Damian Brown, Johnny Case versus Roberto Souza, Patricky Pitbull versus Tatsuya Kawajiri, and Luis Gustavo versus Hiroto Usako, if I said that correct. Um, so that'll be awesome. That's once again, Ryzen 19th, October 12th. This is the year of the Grand Prix. Um, well, except for the UFC, they're, apparently they're too, they're too cool to do Grand Prix. But, mm -hmm. uh... <laughs> they don't even have tough anymore, so it's not even like they have any type of tournament. Right. <laughs> UFC is just too cool for Grand Prix. Even though they have divisions that would probably thoroughly benefit from having one. Or even just from an entertainment factor. Like, they haven't, you know... Dude, I, how long have I been saying that they should have a, like a women's gaunt, like bantamweight gauntlet where like just all the women with like less than three fights in the UFC just have to fucking face off one another over the course of like a year, right? Like that—that's it. That—that's how you get them experience and you like actually like build some type of anticipation around the division. But instead, they're like, no, we're just gonna have them fight like once a year and hope they get better. Uh. UFC, gonna UFC. Yeah. But, uh, 
that rising lightweight grand prix i'm digging it i'm liking those matchups uh cool to see patricky over there so that'll that'll be dope so that's going down um so i really like these fight announcements There's a lot a lot of good fights coming up yeah. and as far as uh, news uh one of the one of these stories i kind of don't even want to acknowledge um i don't care he's still the goat uh, but david branch got suspended for two years yeah, they got and, fired yeah yeah anti-doping violation i didn't even look up to see what he took um because i want for one i probably can't announce it uh pronounce it anyway so what's the point um, for two it's a lie <laughs> right <laughs> two dave branch is an upstanding citizen uh he is a man of honor he was dual wielding belts before it was cool um i would not acknowledge this drug test because i just choose not to acknowledge it Exactly. And, uh, the UFC did, so... And they're uh, whack for it. Yeah, they're, they're trash. You know. Um. So what if he took a... Let me, let me see. Let me see what's going on. Uh, yep, he's been released from his contract. I'm trying to see if they say... Uh, he failed an out-of-competition test for Ipa Morellin, a growth hormone. Uh, he is not eligible to fight again until July of 2021. Uh, it says it's likely that he'll go overseas, <laughs> where his suspension will not, not be honored due to lack of commission oversight. So he probably can't fight in North America, but if he wants to go overseas, he can, uh, you know, he can go overseas and do his thing. So uh, David Branch versus Anglosone. David Branch versus... Uh, uh, what's the dude's name in Rising? Jury, Jury uh, Pro- Prochaska. Yeah, yeah, that, that's all I want. Y- yoked up, freaking Dave Branch versus Jury Prochaska. Make it happen. Let's do it. There's no drug testing in Japan, just for weed. Right. right. You good? You good, David Branch? You'll still be out here. You still the goat. Uh, so that happened. And in the last bit of news, which is kind of a fight announcement, also, um, it looks like. We will be getting Daniel Cormier versus Stipe Miocic 3. At some point. Um, yeah, that is, it seems like that is currently in the works. Don't know what card, don't know when it's going to happen, but uh, that seems like it is going to be a thing. So, I'll, I'll probably have more to say about that fight when it actually gets announced. Because I feel like that could turn into a whole conversation about DC's legacy and. I feel like there'll be a lot to happen, but I'll hold off on that until we actually get like an official date and we know exactly when it's gonna go down. So, but that'll be a thing, right? And uh, uh, <laughs> some random breaking NFL news. Uh, apparently, Antonio Brown is angry at the Patriots and the Steelers, and apparently, he said he wants out of the NFL. I mean, he, he's jobless now, right? So, well, teams can sign him if they want to. But uh, he said, according to Twitter, will not be playing in the NFL anymore. These owners can cancel deals, do whatever they want at any time. We will see if the NFLPA hold them accountable. Sad they can just void guarantees anytime. Going on 40 m that 40 mil, 40 mil, two months. We'll see if they pick whatever. I don't know. He's mad. He's angry, and he said he's not playing for the NFL anymore. So if you got him on your fantasy squad, shout outs to you. He played yourself. Uh probably won't be seeing him for a while was he just accused of like rape uh he, uh 
He had a sexual assault case. Okay. Uh, he had two of them. The first one got thrown out, I think, because I think they said statute of limitations. Ew. And I don't know about the second one. Like, the second one, I think, like, just... That one's kind of fresh. Like, that one kind of just popped up. I don't know what's going on with that one. Um, yeah, he, he's a mess, though. He's a... Uh, I think we're witnessing, like, a... <laughs> It's sad. Like some of the most talented guys just have these career meltdowns, and I think he's just gonna be one of those guys. But is what it is. But moving on. That's all we got. I got. I got one bit of boxing news that probably only me and the Irish will care about. Um, Katie Taylor moving up to 140 pounds to face off of Christina Lenardatu. For the WBO title um, in November, um, I get that means that we won't be seeing the uh, the rematch between her and Delphine Persoon or fight with Amanda Serrano in the immediate future, unfortunately. Um, and I mean, do we do we want to talk about Rashad? Oh man, yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. yeah. So um, Rashad Evans um, had previously what was this like last year? Announced his retirement from MMA. Um, but I have to think about it. Uh, you know, he, he sat on it for a year. He thought about it. He, re- uh, he came to the conclusion that he still had it. That he's going to keep going. So he asked for his release from the... Uh, well, I don't think he asked for his release. I think he was done after his last fight. Um, so he is no longer signed to the UFC. And he is currently pursuing other options uh, to compete. Yeah. Uh. So, I want I'm gonna start off this conversation by just th- reflecting on something that I think I posted somewhere yesterday. Um, I don't think people realize how incredibly hard it is to monetize your fight career after you're done fighting. Like. It's, how long did it take Tyson to realize that he was, like, a meme that could, like, <laughs> right, you know, do movies and, like, have a TV show based around his, like, basically a, uh, a caricature of himself. But, like, Ali, famously bad with his money after, like, retirement, but, like, he tried to do all types of stuff. Like, he had his own soda line, his own TV show. Like, I, I want to say he made his own... Like, he has, like, a clothing line and everything, but none of it took off. Like, there is a reason Oscar De La Hoya and Floyd Mayweather, like, their primary jobs after they stopped fighting was to become fight promoters. You're right. It's because, like, once you get outside the realm of combat sports, it is super hard to make money off your name. Like, this isn't like the NBA where, like, Allen Houston can go be, like, the general manager of the New York Knicks G League and still make, like, a six-figure salary. All right. Like, I, I think Rashad was working... Has Rashad been working the desk for um, ESPN or uh, fight, uh, fight Pass or anything? I feel like I haven't seen him in a little... I mean, he might do a show here and there, but... Yeah. Like, and this isn't, like, the NBA or NFL where, like, there are 30 teams and they all have their own, like, little affiliate stations where they need right. commentators. Like, I know, uh, what's his name? Keith Van Horn gets to work the, je- the desk at MSG on the uh, the MSG network here in New York. Um, 
or in the New York area. Um, so like that's a job for him. Like, you know, you work 80 days out the year, get a nice little paycheck and you can go on about your life. Um, like there, there's nothing like that. If you're a, a, a former fighter, like I like it, it took the Diaz brothers being like these complete outliers in like cannabis culture to actually get a deal where they could sustain themselves outside of fighting. And Nate still came back because he realized there was just more money in fighting. Like two months of work and you get paid six, seven figures. Right. Um, if you have that kind of popularity. Yeah, yeah. Um, or you have that type of leverage. Right. Um, but like, it's wild. Like, it, it's like, and no offense to Rashad, but like, he, he's not a DS type personality. He, he's not, right. Like, I'm, like he's a good dude and everything, and I'm sure he's like a fun guy to talk to. But it's it's not he's not like Shaq, right? He's not a guy who like we're I say we not us in specific, but like I guess in general, you're not claiming to have Rashad sit at your desk. I guess like you or run your like um, I don't know deodorant commercials or whatever. Like he he is not an, an, like. Unless you are a fight fan, Rashad Evans is not a dude who is like. It, mind you, this is a dude who sold like a million pay per views at one point for his fight with uh, Rampage. Right. But like, he's not a dude who you're gonna see walk like, like walking down the street and just gonna be surrounded by like a sea of people. Like, I'm sure he can go most places without being hassled. Yeah, that that life after fighting is always just. <clears throat> you really worry about guys sometimes because it's just like. And it's probably, MMA is one of those sports that requires so, I mean, really any sport, like, requires so much dedication in terms of time, and you, like, you gotta be in shape. Like, it's, it's really a full-time job. And it sucks because these guys don't, you know, unless you're in that top, like, 1%, you're not making, you know, that retirement money. Like, <laughs> you're not making those millions, you know, every fight where you can kind of you know, if you're not fighting for a year or two, your pockets aren't hurting. Right. Like, there are guys sitting who probably play like a handful of minutes a game in the uh, in the NBA, who make more a year than most UFC fighters will make in their entire careers. Right. They're still pulling in six figures easy. Yeah. Not not doing anything. <laughs> they just travel with the team. And, and then when they're done, they can go be like. Uh, like if you're a shooter, you can go be like a, a jump shot coach at an AAU in an AAU league or something. You know right. what I mean? Like, or you can go to college. You can you can go overseas. Like there there are a lot of options. Like as to where like MMA is really you can start your own camp, but that's that's a lot of money. Like yeah, a lot not, of that's money. not a guarantee that that'll even you know yeah. It's, and there's no guarantee that you're like one a good coach or two like that like. It's not like Nike's going to be paying for your camp. Like, Nike's not going to give you $50,000 to come in and train, like, a bunch of, like, 13-year-olds for two weeks like they do uh, with basketball players and football players. So. Yeah, it's, it's rough. It's rough. Like, oh, you want to, I want to be optimistic and hope that, 
best case scenario is he's not struggling for money. Like I, I don't think he's struggling for money, but I think he's like I'm only what he, he's thir- he's forty years old. He's got kids. Like I, right. I I don't think he's married anymore, but he has kids. Like I don't know what he's invested his money in. Like, but I'm sure I'm sure he's not broke. But I'm sure he's like I'm sitting around. I'm not making as much money as I used to. Where I used to put in a couple months of work and I get this big, nice little fat paycheck every couple of months. Like, what am I doing? Right. Like, this is a dude who spent how much of his? <clears throat> he spent like the last all fifteen years of his life just fighting. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm I wasn't thrilled when I saw the headline. Kind of worrying about the dude's health. I mean, like he ended his career on like a six-fight losing streak or something crazy like that. And it's uh... you know what the really sad part is like before he went away in 2014 because he I think he tore his ACL. Like he was on like he looked good. Like before the Bader fight, like not like great, not like champion, like but like somebody who could probably go another like five six years. Right. But like I think that just took everything everything he had out of him after that. Like the knockout losses started piling up. You get boxed up by both Sam Alvey and Daniel Kelly. Like yeah. it's a cruel sport, man. Yeah, and like <laughs> I, I'm I I I worry about like all these dudes who are going to eventually be in like Rashad's place. Because, like, at a certain point, it, it doesn't matter how popular you are. Unless you're, like, Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey. Like, what do you do next right. after you spend 20 years of your life doing this? All right. And a sport that, unless, like we mentioned, if you're not at the top, you're not making, like, that life-changing money. Hell, and even if you are at the top, sometimes that life-changing money isn't a lot. Um, did you read right. Josh Nash's uh, article about what the top fighters in the UFC got paid? Mm. It was not a lot. Also, I just want to point out something that he mentions in the article. So we know for a fact that the UFC, uh, on average, pays about 20% of its revenue to the fighters. Right. Of the top 20% of that, uh, the, I'm sorry, not the top 20%, the top 20 fighters receive about an 8 uh, a nine to ten percent share of that money, and that's not top as in like top ranking. That's top as in top paid. Mm. So obviously, and obviously, there's like a correlation there sometimes. But like, if you're one of the bottom like 580, because there are like 600 fighters on the UFC roster now. If you're one of the bottom 580 UFC fighters, you are collectively uh, sharing in something like 10 to 11 percent of the UFC revenue. Mm. So, yikes! Welcome to the big leagues, right? <laughs> and on that note, let's uh, move on and uh, talk about some fights. What what a card! Um, I I really don't know how to describe what uh, happened last night. Uh, it it was amazing. Mark Godbeard murdered Jack May. 
and and Mighty Mo destroyed Sokaju. It, it was it, it was a magical night. Yeah, Sokaju, 2019. He is a lot rounder than I remember him being. <laughs> <laughs> For all you bare knuckle fans, you guys had your, your fill. Yo, he 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 had the stepdad bod. <laughs> Not the regular dad. No, no, he he leveled up. Oh man, this is mom's rebound, dude. <laughs> oh boy, equally hey. old but kind of still in shape. <laughs> He's hanging on to that last abs. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you bare knuckle uh, fanatics. You guys had your your fill. Uh, yesterday, that was a thing. Uh, and then there was also UFC Mexico City, which, um... Mm. What a card. What a card. What a, what an event. The the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, and everything in between. Um, I was so mad last... <laughs> I was so mad last night. I was supposed to like take notes after the car was over for the podcast, and I just stared at my screen for an absurdly long time. And I was like, I don't want to watch MMA anymore. <laughs> I was so just distraught. The main event and co-main event took a lot out of me. Uh, this card, it, it took a lot. But you know what, man? We got to come here. We got to talk about it. This is what we do. So. uh just run this from the top. UFC Mexico City, uh, obviously going down in Mexico City. Uh, headline by Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens. Um, before I even get to the fight, before we even, oh, you know, there was no fight. I can't even really use that word. How dare you? Um, <laughs> before we get to the unfortunate happenings of that main event, um, first I just got to... Uh, Shout out to Stokes, uh, who uh, informed us yesterday, which I had no clue of, that Jeremy Stevens does have uh, Mexican in his bloodline, apparently. Um, apparently his mom is Mexican, so there's some uh, connection there. But I found it very weird <laughs> that the UFC tried really absurdly hard to push this, I'm going to call it the Jeremy Stevens... Uh, his Mexican initiative, uh, to, like, prove his heritage. And it came off very uncomfortable and very cringeworthy. And I'm not doubting that he has Mexican in his bloodline. Um, I'm just saying that I... And I could be wrong. I'm always up to being wrong. I've never heard him rep it at all. Have you? Uh, he did wear the Mexican fight kit back in, like, 2015. If uh, I just looked up a tweet from Mark Romaldi from 2015 explaining it but <clears throat> like and, and here's the thing like identity is hard and complicated in this global world we live in but like having him shadow box in front of the mexican flag stating mexican fighters like to give it their all and brawl and like go on the shield it comes off as really cheap yeah and then they <laughs> like he, so, he would throw in a random Spanish word yeah. every like, <laughs> like every twenty seconds, and then the line that took me out. I almost cut the whole broadcast off 
when he starts bringing up bringing up his team, and he's like, my head coach is Mexican. And then they pan to Dominic Cruz. And I can't even remember the exact thing he said, but they brought up, like, Cruz's middle name to, like, push that as, oh, I'm, like, surrounded by Mexicans. And I, I, I cringe <laughs> really hard. <laughs> like, it, you know what it sounded like? It, it sounded like that guy, you know, who, like, tries to, like, prove his coolness, like, or like that guy who says like, and I'm not saying Jeremy Stevens is racist. I don't know, him, but like you know the lot of like when people say I'm not racist, I have five black friends. I'm, I'm, it felt like that. I, I have Native American ancestry. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the much better. It, that's that's the vibe I was getting. Yeah. And there is a thing. His mom is Mexican. Yeah. And I'm not. I'm not doubting that. Is it the way they like? There, there's a way to go about it that doesn't seem like oh we're going to Mexico. Um. Here, you're Mexican now. Right. Here's your <laughs> sombrero no... and your little freaking poncho. Right. It, it, it seemed like it was a low-hanging fruit. It was very... That, that kind of disturbed me. So, like, <laughs> a couple... A, a few years ago, there was a Johnny Hendricks thing where he found... Like, he was like, I discovered I had Native American heritage. Blah, blah, blah. And, like... I don't think this had to do anything particular... I think this was just something that had happened in Johnny Hendricks' life during his camp. And they filmed it, and it was like he went. He went to go visit, like the the um, I guess the reservation where the the tribe that his bloodline comes from it was, and he spoke with the people there, and those like it was like a, a thing where like you could see like Hendrix like learning and embracing his culture right. that he didn't know anything about. It, it, it didn't come off as cheap. It, it came off as like, oh, uh, we're following Johnny Hendrix's career. From the time he like got to UFC and like this is how he's changed as a person, this is him growing and learning more about himself and how that reflects in the cage. This was just this. This seems like this, I, I I hate using the p word, but this was straight up pandering. No, yeah, this this was pandering to the to the umpteenth degree. But this wasn't even <laughs> like pandering to like Mexicans because I feel like if you're like a Mexican fight fan, you see right through it. This is like pandering to like. I don't even know who. This yeah. seems like some, like... Ugh. It was rough. It, 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 it came off weird and yeah. unsettling. And not endearing and like they wanted it to. For listeners, if you wonder why we're spending so much time on this, because that is probably more interesting than what happened in the actual... <laughs> but, I mean, I think what happened in the actual fight was pretty interesting. It just wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so let's 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 get to it. All, all the 15 seconds of how long this fight lasted. So, Yair Rodriguez versus Jeremy Stevens. We're all looking forward to it. Great style matchup. Great, uh, great, ma- really a great main event. Like, it's a really good matchup. You got Yair, who's obviously, they're throwing him in front of his hometown in Mexico. I think this is like, I ain't gonna say a setup fight, but this is a fight where you want the young guy to win because you're trying to build a star. Right. And Jeremy Stevens, who you know, brings it every fight. He's trying to kill dudes. He's trying to knock their heads off. It's a really good matchup. So, we get to this main event. Everybody's ready for blood. We're ready for violence. We know, we know, we just know we're about to witness something crazy. And all we got in 15 seconds, uh, they they came forward. There was a leg kick by uh, Yair, and then there was a push off. And then in between the push off, I guess a finger slid into Jeremy Stevens' eye and swiped it. Um, 
Obviously, the fight stops. You know, he's in the corner trying to get his eye right. Herb Dean's talking to him. And God bless Herb Dean, who catches a lot of heat. But boy, I felt like he did a great job. <laughs> I felt like he, he knew what was going to happen if this fight, like, ended so quick. And he was trying his absolute hardest to give Stevens all the time he needed. He was talking to the doctors, like, we can give him more time, give him his full five minutes. He was trying so hard to just save this fight, I guess. Right. Um, but Stevens literally could not open his eye um, after the five minutes. Like the you, like the doctor literally tried to like I don't say pry the eye open, but no, he did. He did. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. And it just it would not open. His eye would not open. And the uh, fight gets waved off. Uh, bottles start flying into the octagon. Poor uh, what's the the, the announcement name? Brendan Fitzgerald, I think. Yeah. His name. Uh, he was. I don't know if you saw the video. He was hiding under the desk. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, he ducked under the desk when they started throwing bottles and stuff at the octagon. Yair is having like a conniption in there. He's angry. He was weird though. Like there was one shot where I thought he was really angry, and then the next moment he was celebrating. I don't know what happened. It was. I don't know if he was celebrating so much as he was trying to like, not not. I don't want to say calm the crowd, but like calm his nerves. Yeah. 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 So it, it was a lot of emotion, a lot just not the way you want to see your main event end. Right. And I'll just go out here and say as much as we talked about Stevens during this little uh, Mexican initiative spiel, um, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't think it makes any sense to say that he wanted out of the fight. It's not like a fight where like they had a whole grueling five rounds and, oh, this is the last couple minutes and he wants an out. Like, bro, the fight literally just started. Like, it literally just started. Dude, like, Jeremy Stevens spent, like, seven hours a day training with Tony fucking Ferguson. And he spent, like, $30,000 on this camp. Like, there's no... You're not going to convince me he wanted out of this fight. Right. Like... Yeah. That's just... That just doesn't make sense. Dude, like, who... Like, this man was training with Tony Ferguson at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning, lifting weights on, like, a mountainside. Prepping for this right. fight, watching Rocky Four reruns, like he he's been through it. Like he is not right. out here looking for an easy out. He, he 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 wants all the smoke. And to draw a parallel, obviously I'm not a fighter, but I've had eye injuries before, nothing major like that. But there's a difference between getting hit in your eye and the area around your eye swelling up, and there's a difference between that and then having your literal eye get scraped. Like, those are very different feelings. Right. You can get your eye swollen and still, like, kind of open it. It's going to hurt, but you can open it. But if you get your literal eye scraped, like, that's a whole different issue. Um, I've never had it so bad that I literally couldn't open my eye, but I've, I've like, accidentally, like, brushed my eye against my face. I mean, brushed, like, my hand against my face. Cause I'm clumsy and like somehow like hit like somehow like gently like scrape my eye and it's like ah that kind of you know I've had it happen on, on a much 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 smaller scale but yeah th those are two completely different things right right um like as for the crowd reaction like obviously not classy not good luck Mexico City but like to all the people I see like making all these, like, racist-ass uh, comments on, like, the Mexico City crowd. The UFC, I think, this, either the last or the 
one before last UFC I attended here in Jersey. The car was so bad, the audience got into a fist fight, and one dude stabbed two people. So, like, could we not? Uh, let's not pretend like this is like a Mexico City problem only. Yeah, we we don't set we we, we don't set some kind of golden standard. Like you're, yeah, yeah, but like at the same time, there was no need to. And I get it, and this and this isn't like me trying to rationalize or sympathize with them, but like three of the previous four Mexican fighters on the card either lost or didn't win. Um, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, some some of it by their own design, um, but like. It, 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 it was not a good night overall in Mexico City. Yeah. And you, you know, probably paid a little decent amount of money to come out here. and Like, he wanted to see your guy fight. Right. Not only did you not get to see him fight, like, it ended in, like, the... So I was going to say blink of an eye. Boy, that was... A... This was, this was <laughs> a two-fighter card, and the two fighters were Alexa Grasso and Yair Rodriguez. And it was probably more just a one-fighter card, if we're being honest, because... Uh, I don't know how big Alexa Grasso is in Mexico City, but y- Yair is somebody who I think has fought there before, right? Like, in the UFC. I think so. Uh, was it the Caceres fight? I want to say it was the Caceres fight, because that was a main event. Or was that in Utah? That was in Utah. All right. The point being, he's fought there before. He's probably the biggest name Mexican fighter there on the UFC roster. Unless you count Cain Velasquez, um, and he got, and they got to see all of fifteen seconds from him. Yeah. Like again, not trying to, you know, talk away what uh, the crowd did, but at the same time, like it's a bunch of drunk, angry people who didn't even get to see what they paid for. So, how am I watching? <laughs> yeah i just uh, i just forgot for a second that mascots were a thing in sports and i saw this like gigantic <laughs> mascot on the side of a bus i'm like am i watching an ad for furries <laughs> meanwhile i'm scrolling down the timeline i see an old highlight of kareem abdul jabbar knocking out somebody in a basketball game <laughs> that was a nice punch <laughs> but um yeah this main event just, uh, yeah, um, not, I mean, not really a lot to say. I mean, I, I guess all you can say with the aftermath is, uh, you know, you just got to run it back. I, I, if I'm Jeremy Stevens, I'm not taking that fight again, to be honest with you. The dude poked me in the eye not even 15 seconds into the fight. Like, why does he deserve to fight me? Go make him fight like Hanada Moicano or something. But knowing the UFC, they'll probably want to rebook the fight. No, they're, they're going to rebook it. We'll see, man. Yeah, this could it's... be a genius move from Yair Rodriguez, if we're being honest. Like, Jeremy Stevens comes back hella mad and just starts to fight dumb. Like, he does, like, half the time <laughs> he fights. It's the master plan. It's the, it, this was the whole, this was, this was, um, yeah, this was the goal. Get Stevens really mad and then beat him in the rematch. Well, he does something stupid because he's very upset. He's got he got another elbow trick up his sleeve. Yeah. Mm, master plan at work. I see you out here. 
thought he had his tools. <sighs> but that 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 was probably the most um probably the most MMA ending um and recent memory that I can say I've seen to a card. Kind of mad that we yeah. didn't see it coming, to be honest with you, because like Jair, like he there is just this is like all this wackiness that comes with his career. It's hilarious. Oh, oh, like him getting fired and rehired like three weeks later. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. his spinning shit war with like Bruce Leroy, <laughs> knocking out Korean Zombie at literally the last possible second in a fight he was almost certainly about to lose. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, I mean. Guess when he shows up, the party don't start till Yair walk in. I'm I'm waiting on the kick to a downed opponent to hit my bingo on the card. <laughs> That's the that happens in the rematch. We get like a four round war, and then at four minutes and forty nine seconds, he gets DQ'd because <laughs> he thinks soccer kicks are legal. Oh boy, but um, it is what it is, man. I don't, I don't really know what to say. Uh, that 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 ended the card terribly for me. I was literally just staring at my computer screen. I was supposed to be taking notes for the podcast, and I just stared at my screen like, "What? What am I doing with my life right now? <laughs> like, what is what is what is life? What is MMA? What is this sport? Who who got me into this? Like, how did I get here? But like the rest of us, very slowly. Right. right. <laughs> now I'm just. I'm a prisoner. Yeah. Whatever. It is what it is. But that was the main event. It lasted 15 seconds. I poke. No contest. They'll probably run it back. Whatever. <laughs> I don't got nothing. Moving on. To a co-main event. To a fight that actually did happen. Went all three rounds. Went the distance. It was an actual scrap that we can talk about. Uh, women's straw weight. Carla Esparza versus Alexa Grasso. Um, Whew. What a um, like it was a it was a great fight. Like, oh yeah, it was a fantastic fight. Yeah, from an entertainment standpoint, this was an this was an awesome fight. But like, from from a from a Grasso fan standpoint, like girl, what is you doing? <laughs> and uh, I'm trying. Uh, like I, I can't imagine like. So, I don't know if, like, I can't even put the blame on Lobo because, like, they were at least, like, from the parts I heard, they were at least right about certain things. And Alexa Grasso was just like, no, I'm going to do my own thing. And her own thing was to basically just chase the loss over and over and over and over again. And I'll, I'll preface this. By saying, um, like, I, I don't want to pile on her. And how old is she? She's like 20. She's, she's really young. She's not that young. I think she's like 26. She's like early 20s. Oh, she's, I don't know why I thought she was like 23, 24. She was when we first like heard about her. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Mm, so I can't even really. I mean, she is. Ah, this is so frustrating to, to talk about. Like, 
got she had like all the talent in the world. And like there were moments we, we saw moments in this fight where it was like I think we saw like how good she can be and then we saw other moments where it was just like, Oh my god, I can't believe you're doing that. I can't believe you're doing this to me. And this was one of those fights where I, I knew I I knew I was in the back of my mind I had it in my head that like there's a good chance that Esparza could just take her down and beat her up and this fight be extremely frustrating. And you know what? I honestly would have accepted that because I know how good Esparza is. And I think she's actually has gotten a lot better also within the last couple of years. And she still is a, a, a really good fighter. So I was I would have been perfectly I'd have been frustrated, but I would have been okay if Grasa just would have shown moments, but maybe Esparza, kind of like that Calvillo fight, where it's like, I know we think of Esparza like the former champ, and some people think she didn't really deserve that, but I'd have been okay if it was like, you know what, Esparza's just better. It is what it is. And this fight, I, uh, I don't think it was that Esparza, was, and I don't really want to undercut what Esparza did, because he fought a really great fight. It just felt like, I don't know if it was so much as Esparza was better as much it was Alexa Grasso just kind of, like, he just threw the fight out the window. So then maybe that, I guess that means as far as it is just better. I, I guess I would just have to give her credit. Because, I mean, first round, they come out. I noticed that Grasso's kind of in a lower boxing stance. I'm like, all right, she, she knows the takedowns are coming. And... She's able to work on the feet for a little bit, but as soon as it spars a shot for that first double, like, she got it ASAP. And it's like, alright, this this is frustrating, but I guess I kind of expected this. But, I mean, I, it was okay at first, because at least I saw Grasso, like, trying to do something off of her back. Showed that she was at least working on that part of her game. So I'm like, alright, cool. You're not trying to be, like, super complacent. You know. So, alright, point, points for that, I guess. But, you know... Once the Sparza gets the takedown, probably not gonna be a good good day for you. Um, so I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I gave a Sparza first. Um, and as far as his hands hands have gotten better, not great, but he's willing to throw him a little more. Then I think God, what happened in the second round? Um, I feel like there were some 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 scrambles, but um, like when Grasso once again would have moments on the feet, she's landing good shots. You know, you kind of know what Esparza is going to do. Um, and it was the second round when she rocked her, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. She, she rocked her in the second and the third, but it, it was a big right hand as, um, I don't know what Esparza was doing. She might have been trying to go for, like, a front kick, but, like, Grasso just tagged her with her right hand over the yeah. top. And this is where, like, the fight got extremely frustrating. So... Cause she, I don't think she did. She didn't rock as far as I think until later in the round. It was literally like the last minute of the yeah. round. So up until that point, I think it's pretty clear. Like as far as is winning this fight, um, it's a great fight so far. But it's like as far as is getting takedown, she's having more control. She's winning this. So you would think in the back of your mind, you gotta know like, all right, I kind of need to. The, the fight's getting in the latter half. I kind I gotta make something happen because I'm probably. You don't want to leave this up to the judges. I'm probably down on scorecards right now. I got to do something. And then she has her moment where she rocks Esparza. Esparza's clearly wobbled. She tagged her a couple more times. Esparza had to, like, back off. And it's like, all right, Grasso, you got some momentum. Like, you might be able to end this right here. Like, 
you know, y'all have had a pretty grueling fight, you know, I ain't gonna say as far as it's gas, but this is the one moment where you gotta put your pedal to the metal, man, you gotta go, you gotta, you gotta make something happen, and she rocks as far as the tags are maybe two or three more times, and then literally just kind of, just let her recover, like, literally just let her just, didn't rush in, didn't go for the kill, you know what, I'm gonna just let this happen, I'm gonna just let her get her wits back about her, and I was just, I wanted to scream so loud, because I just, I did not, I don't, un I, <laughs> I get so mad just thinking about it, like, what were you doing, like, I, and I get it, like, you were, you know, you're obviously thinking about the shot, but at the end, I want to say, I don't remember if it was the same round, but like, I think after she had gotten stunned, Esparza went for another takedown, and Grosso stuffed it, like easily stuffed it. Yep. And it's like, bruh, she's tired. She is. She's out of it right now. Like these takedowns that she was getting, I don't say easily, kind of easily, they're not working right now. Like this is go time. This is it. You got a window. You gotta. You gotta go. And she she did the opposite. She took a foot off the brake and went in reverse. Like <laughs> like like what are you doing? Like what are you doing? Oh, oh god god just uh yeah um let her foot off the gas got let as far as completely off the hook uh was the third round the arm bar that was the arm bar round right she so she actually did get an arm bar pretty deep in the second round at the end of it but it was also the end of the round so like you know yeah, she didn't get a chance to, like, fully... Extend on it, yeah. Like, lock it but it, it was the third round, uh, like, a minute and a half left in the fight, where uh, she goes for the armbar. Like, so, so we should we should probably mention how she gets to this position. Esparza shoots. Um, Grasso somehow gets, like, her arm behind her and is like, you know what? We're going for a crucifix. <laughs> from the back and she goes to bring her legs to Arsa's arm misses and ends up on the bottom in guard but then she's able to spin her uh, she has one of Asparza's arms like stuck so she's able to actually create the space to get the arm bar but Asparza has tiny arms like Super tiny arms that are really hard to get leverage on. And while she does get a lot of torque on it, her arms are also super flexible. So she's able to just spin through and get back on top. Yep. Like they get up again, and Grasso tags Esparza down the stretch. But like, oh my, oh my god. She she never really pours it on. Yeah. She she's just super hesitant. And it was like she had I, I felt like this this is a fight to just highlight what missed opportunities look like. Like you probably had more than one chance to put this fight away and you it's one thing if you go for it and don't get it, but like you just didn't you didn't try to finish the job. Exactly.
And as far as against a lesser skilled opponent, you might have gotten away with it and still got the win. Against as far as you can't do that. Like you you can't. <laughs> You let Esparza back in, and I mean, we saw it. You let Esparza back in the fight. She's going to get back in the fight. I mean, she was winning the fight anyway. Like, you had a chance to just take the momentum back, and you just, you just didn't. Like, you had the chance, and you didn't. And every moment that you didn't, Esparza was able to capitalize on it and get the momentum back. And it's just, ah, yeah, that, that fight. Blood pressure through the roof. Through the roof. And it's not it's not that I don't even like it's not that I don't like Esparza. I'm just a big Grasso fan and I thought this would have been a huge win. And it just can't even say it slipped through your fingers. You just threw it away. Just Yeah. Like and just go back to that first like round and a half where Esparza was getting her down, like I never got the vibe that um like that Grasso couldn't get up. You know what I mean? Like, right. she she was really good about getting her hips, like, off the mat so that or like turned so that she was like, so she could fight for submissions. But she never thought like, hey, I'm on my back against a wrestler. I like the box. Let me stand back up. I I, I don't get it. Why was she fighting off her back? Yeah, it, uh, it just seemed like it should have been one of those fights where you, I, I get it, you're trying to go for the armbar, you had a chance for it, but outside of that, you should have been trying to keep this on the feet. Like, after th- those takedowns got stuffed, after that, you know, mini slacking she put on her for about, a, you know, all of 10 seconds, you should have been just trying to end it. Like, just trying to get her out of there. And, I mean, as far as it landed some decent shots also on the feet, but you could tell technique was technique. If they would have kept throwing hands, it, it probably would have went Grasso's way. Right. And from what right. I understand, Grasso thinks she won the fight, so there is probably little chance that she's going to look back on this fight and be like, I should do anything differently. Yeah. Oh, boy. But, props to uh, Esparza. Like, she is making herself into the 115-pound undersized version of Misha Tate. He just comes out here and guts has like all these gutsy performances, right? Like super scrappy, like never out of a fight. Just kind of always, she's always clawing and hanging in there, and she's becoming, I think, a little more well-rounded. Like she's she's still getting better, and she's not even like old, really. Like, like thirty, thirty-one. Uh, she's older than that. I think. Uh, she still got some some years left. Uh, no, she's thirty one, but she's also been fighting since like two thousand ten. So she's got like a decade on her. Yeah, she got a little yeah, she got a little, little mileage, but she could still make another run if you know, depending matchups and so on and so forth, but. She's still out here. She's still really good. I mean, arguably, like, the only two people she's lost to are Joanna and Jacek and Tatiana Suarez. Like, yeah. the Marcos fight was a split. The Goodell fight, I thought she won. Like, so. Yeah. She, she's still really good. Yeah. She, she's still really good. But, hey, man. 
I got, you got, I got to give props to Esparza. And, and I don't want to deter listeners. Like, it was a really good fight. It was, a, it was an awesome fight. But it's just, if, if looking at it from a fan's perspective, if you're a Grasso fan, it was just extremely frustrating. Like, you saw some good things, and then you saw some other things that were just like, ugh, like, you, that was, that was, that was no bueno, no bueno. But awesome fight from both still. Great, great, great performance from uh, Esparza. Uh, Grasso, man, just next time you go for the kill, you gotta, you gotta go for the kill. Like, N- yeah, like, come on. Yeah, you gotta go for it. You gotta. Got, like, got some awareness. Yeah, yeah. But it was still an awesome fight, just from a fan standpoint, like I said, just, it hurt. <laughs> Blood pressure was, was through the roof watching that fight. Um, but Sparza won a majority decision. Uh, moving on to flyweight, a fight, another fight I was really looking forward to, um, and it, it delivered. And then the judges came in, <laughs> and something else happened. But uh, Brandon Moreno versus Askar uh, Askarov. Uh, Askar came into this fight undefeated. Was he nine and oh, ten and oh? It was ten and oh, ten and oh. So uh, prospect, yeah, on the rise. Brandon Moreno, we know he's been out here, made his way back to the UFC. Um, but another fight that was really awesome, and then the end happened, and then scorecards got read. But it, this was a really dope fight, though. Like this was a really fun, you know, flyweights once again, just kind of showing out. Um, <laughs> it was a really just wild kind of um you know great obviously great grappling from Askarov um able to uh get Moreno down I'm pretty sure that was in the first uh got Moreno down I think got his back a couple times uh was able to control him a bit um and then (laughs) but Moreno just he would have these just kind of every now and again he just had this random spurt of violence that just kind of you know it's a Moreno fight, you know. There, there has to be some kind of violence. Um, I can't remember if the head kick. No, that was the second round. Or was that the first? That was second. Okay, that was the second. But then, did he rock him at the end of the first two? Uh, yeah. Well, he rocked him yeah. basically every round. Yeah. He right. like he would just have these spurts of violence where he like in terms of damage, Moreno definitely did more damage because every like little violent spat he had, like he would get Askarov hurt. Um. Regardless, like, of how the fight was going prior to it. Like, Askarov would spend a lot of the fight, like, he's getting, a, you know, winning a lot of the grappling exchanges. And Moreno was having to get his way out of, like, these bad spots. And then they start trading and he'd, like, rock Askarov. And then it goes back to the grappling. It was it was a wild, like, really back and forth. And then he uh, caught Askarov with that head kick in the second <clears> round. <throat> and then they, they end the second round with Moreno for, like, 15 seconds. They're in, like, the reverse triangle position, and they're just sitting there. And I think they both just kind of agree, like, bro, we've been fighting really hard, and we're both tired. Just going to chill out for these last 15 and just kind of sit here. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't mad at it, though, because up to that point, they were putting on... It was a great fight. Like, they were really just going back and forth. Both guys really just kind of going for it. Um, but that third round, man, 
I've never been so proud to be a fan of somebody. <laughs> <laughs> that third round, that third round, man, I've I've never been so happy before. Like, it, and I think it was really gutsy because obviously against Askarov, like you don't you don't want to get in too many grappling exchanges because it might not it might not go your way. And we saw like Askarov was having success grappling. He couldn't you know finish the fight, but. He was able to get Moreno down. He was able to control him. Like, he's really active on the ground. So, not where you really want to be if you can help it. Third round comes. Moreno says, you know what? It's whatever. Thug life. Goes for a takedown. Not only does he get the takedown, but, like, he spent most of that round either on top or, like, winning the grappling exchange. Like, got him down, landed some, some ground and pound. At one point, he had Askarov back. Uh, he tried to sink in a choke, but he couldn't get it. And I, I thought it was really just ballsy. Like, I wasn't expecting him to just shoot for a takedown in the third round. And he went for it and got it and actually, like, really legit made it work that entire round. And I, I was just like, bro, you, you, you're the man for that. Because I didn't, I didn't see that coming. I didn't think he was going to go for it, and he went for it. And not only did he went for it, but, like, it worked. And he almost almost got a finish out of it and i was like bro this is why i love watching this guy fight <laughs> like this is exactly why i'm a fan of this guy it, that fight was so good uh but then it ended in a draw um 28 with wiki if these cards are right 28 28 28 29 30 27 a draw split yeah um, it is what it is, I guess. <laughs> uh, I, I think it was one of those fights, I guess, where do you weigh out damage over control, I guess. But even then, like, Moreno had control for more of the fight. Yeah. And definitely, like, he had most of the damage. Not, probably all of it. Not to say Asquad didn't land anything, but all of the significant damage definitely came from Moreno. Yeah, um, I scored it for Moreno in real time, so I wasn't thrilled with the draw. But I, I guess because it was such a good fight, I was like, I, I guess this is cool, but not really. <laughs> but I don't know. What, what what were your thoughts? Um, Askarov fights like a dude who who fights at like welterweight and Brandon Moreno is like the quintessential flyweight fighter where he doesn't really have a defined style. He's just super athletic and can do a little bit of everything. And while he's not like the most technical dude, he just seems to have an understanding of like, uh, if I clear my hips, I'll be able to explode back to my feet. So I'm going to just do that now. So it makes for a very fun, wild matchup where Askarov tries to suplex Moreno and Moreno's just able to, like, somersault his way out of it. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. That, that was neat. It was, it was a great fight. Um, why the UFC wanted to get rid of the division is still far beyond me. Um, mind you, they cut one of the dudes who... who the, the main dude who was the reason this fight was so fucking entertaining, Brandon Moreno. Um, yeah, like... 
I, I'm hes- I'm really hesitant to call Moreno like a better striker than Askarov, though he did have like moments of like clarity and was like, wow, this technique works, so I'm gonna just keep going back to it. Like there's a moment in like I think it was the second round where um Moreno throws like the same uppercut slash hook to the body, right hand upstairs, three times in a row, and every single time it landed clean. But at the same time, he's throwing like a lot of winging hooks and these big flashy uppercuts with no setup. And they kind of work just because he's so freaking fast. On the other side, like you can tell Askarov's a dude who's just used to being able to push dudes around on the ground. Um, he's, I, I guess he's just not used to like the level of like athletic freak that Moreno is. Um, and it made for like a great, interesting matchup. Um, I, I don't know if they run this one back, but I think they probably should because... I mean, the first one was this one. So. Um, good on Moreno for learning to take dudes down. Um, just. Or, I'm sorry, having the presence of mind to realize that he should take down Askarov because Askarov's probably not used to being on his back. Um, yeah, no, great fight. I'm, I'm not going to say I'm surprised anyone fight the night, but it, it was a really good fight, so. Hats off to both men. Oh, I was just gonna say who got fight tonight. It was and, uh, it was Esparza and Grasso. And Grasso. Yeah, I'm not mad at that because, like I said, if I remove my fan feelings, <laughs> that was a that was a great fight. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I can't be mad at that. But yeah, if if it weren't for that fight, yeah, Moreno and Askarov definitely would have got fight tonight. Um, but great performance from bro uh, from both fighters. I wouldn't mind seeing them run this back, but fortunately it ended in a split draw. It is what it is, but uh, long live flyweight. That's that's how I'll end that. Uh, I'll let you kick off this next one. Uh, what's the next one? Oh, oh, right. Um, yeah. <laughs> so Irene Aldana, um, she was originally supposed to fight Marion Renault on this card, uh, but Renault pulled out um, a week or two ago. So we ended up with a short uh, short notice replacement in Vanessa Mello, who is a where she fight out of? Oh, uh, a gold team member in Sao Paulo. Um, this was an Alrenia Aldana fight. It was a fun action fight in which she got off to an early lead, and it looked like she was going to bulldoze her opponent. But either. Um, but I'm sorry, sometime in the second round, Melo got Aldana's timing down, um, as everybody who seems to fight Aldana does eventually, um, and just started connecting and made it into more of a fight than it probably had any right to be. Um, yeah, so, but Aldana was able to walk away with the uh, unanimous, unanimous decision win, so I guess it all worked out in the end. Um, uh, watch your hand down a fight, man. It's so like it. What's with Aldana and Grasso? Because like, uh, <laughs> like uh, there are obvious holes in Aldana's game, but like, it feels like she should like even with them, she should be so much better than she actually is. Like the parts of her game are better than the sum of them. If that makes any sense, um, 
super good with the one two. Su- like she moves moderately well. She moves uh, like uh, she rarely gets caught in one place, but like it 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 feels like there are points in the fight where she just realizes or she just does something that just makes you scratch her head. And they're in between these moments of, like, technical brilliance. And it's so disheartening, because, like, Aldana should have beat Raquel Pennington. And she should have probably knocked out Melo here. Or at least took in a far wider decision. But she, like, I don't know if it's because, like, she only fights at the one pace and, like, eventually people are just able to time her or she slows down or her movement becomes too predictable because she likes to really circle to the power side of her opponent. But, like, it just feels after, like, a certain point, people, like, realize what's up and they're just able to fight with her. Yeah, I, I didn't know if it was Mello just being, like, tough. Because, boy, did she eat a lot of shots. Like, a lot. <laughs> Probably an absurd amount. Um... But I just remember thinking during this fight, like, man, if Aldana would be deadly if she had, like, some KO power. Or just, like... That's the thing, though. She does. It's just that, like... It's, or if she just... She, she's not... Obviously, she's not, like, um... I, I, I don't know. Uh, like, Dua Choi, for example, who has, like, legit one punch, you're out, knockout power. But, like... I, I think a lot of it's just, like, People see the punches coming. She only fights, like I said, she only fights at one speed, and she only fights really like straight in front of her opponent. She's not really somebody who's going to cut an angle and try to surprise you with a punch. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I thought, and it, it, it's almost really hard to critique this fight because she 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 was working out there, but it just felt like a fight where I guess she could have gotten a finish, but like. I guess outside of that, though, I, I did thoroughly enjoy watching this fight. Like, she she is good together at putting combinations. I like how well she mixes it up. She'll, she can throw a one-two. She'll hit you to the body. Like, she threw everything at Vanessa. Like, she was tagging her every which way. I can't remember what round. might have been second or third. She caught her with a really nice head kick. Like, she can mix it up really, really well, like, when she's in her zone. And I felt like we saw a small... It was a brief glimpse of kind of what I would like to see from her more. And it was right at the end of the first round where I felt like those last like 15 seconds, she hit like ultra instincts. And like, it seemed like she really started going in and she was throwing like Superman punches. And I was like, all right, you're trying to get her out of here. But it was for just that small moment. And then like it stopped because like she threw like a flying knee at the end of the first round, like a jumping knee. And then, like, it just ended. And I was like, I feel like if you would have had more moments where you just... And you don't even really have to go berserk. Because she lands at a pretty decent volume. It's like, if you just put your foot on the gas just a little bit more, you probably could have got a stoppage. Or at least, like, rocked her hard a couple times, you know. Had her, like, backpedaling and then trying to... Trying to get away. (laughs) Was that Moreno? I don't even mean to backtrack. Wasn't that the Moreno fight where, like, he literally did a full run around the cage and then shrugged his arms? <laughs> when, like, I think Askarov was going for a takedown. I think that happened in that fight. But, um, 
I mean, it wasn't a bad performance. It's just like no, nah, it was a, fighting somebody really... on short notice. You're a top ten like fighter in the division. Like it really feels like you should, at the very least, be beating them more one sidedly than you did. I guess it is what it is, but it, it was still I still thoroughly enjoyed watching it. Uh, she was the sole bright spot on the on the main card in terms of wins yeah. for uh, the home Magical. crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like I said, when when she can put them hands together, like she throws really good combinations, mixes up really well. But like you said, she does, she does. I, I never really noticed that until you pointed out. She does kind of fight like at one speed. Like she never accelerates. Or slows down. It's just kind of this one. I'm gonna stay in my this one lane, and I'm just gonna kind of operate here, and it'll either give me the win or it won't. Um, but I don't know. I, I still enjoy watching her fight. It's just you you know like if she ever finds herself against you know like champion caliber opponents, then you're gonna you're gonna need that extra gear. That's that's gonna have to be there. Um, for you to get those kind of wins. Um, I mean, it was what it was, though. She, for all intents and purposes, um, she boxed Mello up. Uh, she she boxed her up for three rounds. You just wish you could have got kind of got a finish out of it. But either way, though, it was still a really really great performance, and I'm always down for an Aldana fight. Um, so I'm I'm always looking forward to what she does next. So she got the unanimous decision win. Four cards were pretty lopsided, <laughs> as they should have been. Um, so, congrats to Aldana. And rounding out the main card, boy, oh boy, Steven Peterson versus Martin Bravo at Featherweight. You want to talk about uh, unfortunate endings. Um, man. <laughs> um... I mean, Martin Bravo, man, he he he, he feel, like he's a very skilled fighter from what I remember seeing of him previously and from seeing him fight Peterson here. But good God, laps and I don't know. If, I don't even know if you can call it judgment. To be honest with you, yeah, I don't. I I wouldn't say it was a lapse in judgment. It was just. I I think it this was like one of those fights where everything was just going well until it wasn't, and I think. I think he was, like, in a rhythm. Like, he was feeling really good about himself. And he just kind of... So I, I really can't fault... I'm going to say I can't... I can't really fault him. Because you don't really expect, you know. <laughs> just oh, just provide context. Start from the beginning. Dudes come out from the beginning. You already know what's going down. We're, they're throwing hands in, uh, instantly. We're not... They're, they're not waiting. There's no fill-out process. So they come out... Peterson and Martin Bravo, they're 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 throwing down, pretty much instantly. And then once the fight like, kind of sort of I guess settled in for lack of a better term, um, like it was a good back and forth, but it, to me it felt like Bravo was, the better out of the two in terms of like kind of putting it all together. I like the body work that he was doing and he was staying pretty consistent with it. Um, it just seemed like he was putting it together a. a a little bit better than than Peterson. And I think he found himself just kind of in a groove to where, like, it, it seemed like everything was just working really well. Um, and he started off the second round, I want to say, pretty much the same. Like, he pretty much carried on that momentum from the first. 
he had a lot of good things going still landing uh, landing a lot of good shots mixing it up to the head and the body and then he had that body kick that he was throwing to the midsection he had a lot of things really working in his favor um then he, he landed a couple takedowns too right i can't remember if i'm thinking of this or if i'm confusing him with another fight bravo he landed one in the first yeah so like he had a good mix of things going on for him and in the midst of you know a, a really fun entertaining back and forth but a fight that i'm pretty sure bravo was probably winning you know goes for a spinning back fist gets countered with a spinning back fist from peterson and the lights shut off the show is over mm. instantly mm. didn't even didn't need the follow-up punch he was he as soon as the spinning back fist connected he was dead it was over um, yeah, things were going well, and so they weren't going well. Yeah. I mean, Peterson, by the end of the first round, seemed to have, like, found his groove a little bit and was fighting his way, his way back in the fight. Um, I think the pace was just too much for Bravo to keep up. Like, he, he looked tired after, the fir- uh, after, like, the first four minutes of the fight. Like, not enough that where you're like, oh, he's gassed, but, like, his style is based around standing directly in front of the guy he's fighting. Um, and just, like, keeping... Like, he, he doesn't throw in volume, but he throws at, like, a high rate. So he'll he'll right. do, like, a two-three punch uh, strike combination and then immediately go to the next two-three punch combination. Um, and, there, and there is a little bit of, like, movement in there. Like, he hit a nice... Um, yeah, a couple of like really nice like as Peterson came forward, he um, pivoted off and hit him with like a nice two punch combo to the body. But like a lot of his game is literally just standing at the end of not even at the end, like in the middle of striking range and just throwing more than his opponent. And that requires a lot of energy. Um. Like good, good on Peterson, and props to Fortis MMA for picking up another win. Like they're on a hell of a run right now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel bad for Bravo. He's better than his like one in three record in the UFC. But like, I, I think it's just an approach thing for him at this point, where it's like, okay, once people see what I have to offer. Or what he has to offer, um, they're they're better able to adjust to what he does because there's so little, I guess, variation. So, uh, props to Peterson. Yeah, fighting is all about moments. Mm-hmm. Taking advantage. It it only takes a split second. For things to go extremely right for one person and the complete opposite for the other. And, uh, yeah. Steven Peterson uh, throws his uh, uh, hat in the ring for a KO of the Year candidate <laughs> well, with this one. So, um, what a way to kick off a main card. <laughs> like, what a way to kick off a main card. But, yeah, great, great win for Peterson. That was, a, like I said, probably one of the craziest KOs you'll see all year. Um, I just feel really bad for Bravo. Like, man, I thought you looked really great. And then life just kind of happened. But it is what it is. 
that was the main card of UFC Mexico City. Uh, so we can move on to the preliminary portion of the card. Um, I'll throw out a disclaimer. Um, when I came back, I came back from Delaware as the prelims. Well, the prelims had already kicked off. I came in during the Betch Kohei and Fajar uh, Eubank fight. Um, but I was really tired after my little Delaware trip. Tired of driving, and I had some Chinese food, so my, my belly was full. So I was fading in and out of these prelims. Um, I rewatched some of them this morning, but my memory might be a little hazy on some of these fights. But starting from the top, prelim headliner was Jose Alberto Quiones versus Carlos Huachin. I'm saying that correctly. Um, I didn't get a chance to rewatch this one, but all I remember from this fight is, man, Quiones just I feel like he can just kind of do what he wants, and uh, whatever he does is going to work. <laughs> like, if I want to stand and strike, I can stand and strike. If I want to take you down, I can take you down. Yeah. Whatever strike I want to throw on the feet, I'm going to throw it, and it's going to connect, and it's going to work. And there's not really much you can do about it. And I'm going to dance around, and I'm just going to have a, I'm going to have a good old time in here. And that's what he did for three rounds. <laughs> it reminded me of the, um, maybe on a lesser scale of the fight from the. Uh, the, the the China card the uh oh the guy's name I, oh uh Mudajiri yeah yeah it reminded me of that kind of a lesser scale it wasn't as much of a slacking but it just kind of reminded me in that similar fashion that I'm just gonna kind of do what I want and it's gonna work and that's kind of what I got out of this fight I have no idea why but like Quinones looked like a whole division bigger than uh. What's the dude's name? Uh, Huachin. 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 Carlos. Carlos. He looked a whole division bigger than Carlos. Apparently, they're only like an inch apart in height, though. So, go figure. Really? Yeah. I feel like Kionis was a lot taller than him. Maybe, maybe Kionis just like stands up a lot. Or... Yeah, could, yeah, could be just a stand. But, he seemed like he was taller. Yeah, no, this looked like a, a big brother just like beating up on his little brother. Like... There's there's not a whole lot to add beyond that. Like, I mean, was this the fight, or was no? That was the Playas fight. Um, yeah, no, this is yeah. It, it was what it was. You know, like, I, I don't got a whole lot to add because yeah. I, I didn't pay particularly close attention. Um, but Kionis looked like the more experienced dude just being up on the less experienced dude. If this was a video game equivalent, it's when you're in the training mode and you're going through the move list and, like, the uh, AI doesn't fight back. Uh, kind of what this <laughs> That's what I got from that fight. Mm. Um, great win for Kionis, man. He went out there and just kind of showed out for three rounds. So, um, good on him. Great performance. He got a pretty lopsided, unanimous decision win. Uh, moving down to featherweight. Boy, oh boy. Kyle Nelson versus Marco Polo Reyes. Um, you know, at first I want to say, <clears throat> before we get to the fight, which didn't last uh, that long, a little over a minute, um, to fighters uh, dropping weight classes, um, I'm gonna need y'all to stop thinking that just because you go down a weight class that it's about to be sweet. Like that you're just gonna go down a weight class and 
kind of just have your way with people. Um, I feel like back in the day, I ain't going to say that was the case, but you probably could have got away with it more because divisions weren't as deep as they are now and the talent wasn't as rich as it is now. But uh, in 2019, this whole I'm going to just go down a weight class and it's going to get easier for me, that's not a thing anymore, bro. Like, Yeah, no, it really is Yeah, those advantages that you thought you were going to have, you might get them depending on who you're matched up with. And that's only because I feel like every division has that one guy who's kind of stuck in that division and he can't go up or down because he's he's not big enough to go up and he's too small to go down. So he's like stuck in purgatory. (laughs) There's like almost that one guy in every division. But unless you're fighting that one guy, those advantages don't exist anymore. Like that's that's not a thing anymore. And even if you are bigger everybody's so skilled now that it, it, it evens out. Like, even if you are bigger, dudes are just as skilled as people above or below them. So it's like, these little perceived advantages, they don't they don't work. It's, it's not a thing anymore. Uh, and poor Polo, I felt really bad for him, man. I, I was looking forward to this fight. You know, I was like, it's Marco Polo Reyes. It's going to be a nice, fun, violent time. And it was violent. It's just, he was on the receiving end of it. Uh <laughs> Come out. He looks pretty good in the beginning for all of like 15 seconds. Uh, he came out, threw some hands a little bit. I think he landed like a little, little leg kick, threw a leg kick. Um, and then he throws a kick, gets his foot caught, gets pushed against the cage. They clinch for a little bit. And then he gets Kyle Nelson just unleashes on him. Um, I think it was a elbow that kicked it off. <coughs> and then he ate a right hand that... Was his eye bloody before that right handed, or did that right hand just splat blood out of nowhere? I think was it the elbow? I don't know. Cause I swear, I swear, I didn't see the blood until that right hand landed, and then blood just magically appeared on this man's eye. <laughs> like it could have been the elbow. I don't know. It might have been the elbow. Cause that elbow was kind of vicious. Oh, let me let me but, let me see if I can find a video of the uh the thing. But continue. But yeah, like he elbows him. Lands the right hand. I see blood splatter. And then Kyle Nelson just kind of starts unloading on him. I think he caught him with a left. And you could tell by, like, the couple of punches he landed after that right hand. Polo was out on his feet. Like, so I saw some people initially mad at the stoppage. But when I saw the replay, I was like, no, bro, he was done. Like, he was literally just standing up, kind of just. His hands were up, but he wasn't there. Like, if there was no fence, I think he probably would have just either fell backwards or just, like, sunk to the floor. Like, the man, I, it's weird. It's weird, weird seeing somebody being out on their feet. Because to me, he clearly, during that replay, he was not there. Yeah, no. After that right hand landed, he was there. I, I was one of those people who was like, wow, they really stopped there early. Then I got to look at the replay. I didn't realize how fucking hard that right hand landed. I think you're right. The blood came from the right hand. Um... But yeah, no, that that he he was out from the first punch. Like when he was covered, he was already out at that point. Like he was gone. Yeah, and he wasn't even trying to like move his head or even tie up. Like he was just he was sitting. No, that 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 was, was pure instinct. Head. The the double arm. Uh, for uh the double arms up foreguard whatever. Right. Uh, he he was done. Fun dropping the featherweight. 
uh, I feel I, I feel bad for him, man. Like he started his career off so strong, and like he fought Demir Hadzovic, and it's just been hell ever since. Yeah, that, that's why. Like <laughs> I posted on Twitter after the fight was over, I was like, I you know I had to give myself the Men in Black flash after this fight was over. Cause like, man, I didn't want to see him get done like that. Like, I was expecting him to have a nice, violent performance, and we get a nice. I mean, it was a great finish, but it was like, man, from a fan standpoint, like, God, he, he, he got dogged. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 I don't. And it's not like Kyle Nelson's like Drew Dober or Demir or James Vick were the like the last three people to knock him out. Um, mostly, excuse me, mostly a grappler, right? If I'm remembering correctly. Um, so that, that's not a good look for your uh, move to featherweight. If that's the dude who's putting you up against the, uh, putting you out against the fence. Um, sad, sad times. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it's MMA. Somebody's got to get sacrificed to the gods, and I guess it'd be like that sometimes. But props to Kyle uh, Nelson. He went for the kill, and he got it uh, really early in the fight. So he got a first-round TKO. So congrats to Kyle Nelson. Uh, moving down to women's strawweight, Angela Hill versus Arian Carnalossi. Carnalossi? I'm saying that correct? Um, boy, just looking at the physique. Um, I was like, yeah, Carnal, because she missed weight, right? Carnalasi? No, she. I thought somebody missed no, weight. No, she came in at 112 pounds. What? Yeah, that's what the thing said. Well, she weighed like 130 during this. Yeah, fight. she is ripped, Bruh, I saw them, them back muscles. <laughs> like <laughs> them back muscles. I was like, bro, she looks like she could just toss you across the room. There's probably not a lot you can do about it. I just, like, she's only, like, 5'2". That's another thing. That's a whole side note. I don't know why I'm always dumbfounded when, like, they show a fighter's height on the screen. And I'm always, like, confused at how short they are compared to, like, the image I have of them in my head. Not that I think, like, every fighter is some 7-foot giant. But like, <laughs> like when they're reading the 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 card for Esparza Grasso, and like you, you see the little graphic, and Esparza five one, and I'm trying to imagine a five one person just kind of like doing what she does. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. Like, <laughs> like my mom's like five five, so I'm like, this person is a whole four inch shorter than my mom. And she's out here wrestling and beating people up. Like, this, <laughs> this is wild. But, um, yeah, the height thing always throws me off. But Angela Hill versus uh, Arian Kondalasi. Um, I wasn't familiar with Arian, but based off of, like, the physique, I was like, you know what, this fight is probably going to go two ways. Um, Arian's either going to overpower her because she looks like she could lift up a tank. And I'm hoping with... You know, if you're built like that, you should probably hit pretty hard. So I'm like, she's either going to be able to crack Angela really hard or kind of bully her around physically, or Angela Hill is just going to be way too slick uh, and kind of be able to find her way in and out. And also with those uh, huge back muscles, <laughs> I was like, 
I don't know how her cardio is going to be. Um, like, if she'll be able to keep a pace for, for three rounds. And I think the fight, even without knowing much about Arian, I was like, I think this fight pretty much went the way I thought it would. Like, Angela Hill is really slick on the feet. Um, doesn't have, like, a lot of power, but throws a pretty decent volume. Does a great job of mixing it up. Really good at just kind of sticking and moving. Um, I mean, as long as you, as long as she can stay off of her back, like, she's going to give you a fight. If you can't get on her back, you know, she's really proficient on her feet. And if anything, the fight that she had against Andrade, which is crazy, which I think is one of her best performances, even though it was a losing effort. She told, she showed that she can take a punch. And I'm like, if she can survive hits from Andrade and survive, then I don't see why she can't survive, uh, uh hits against Arian, so, a uh, really good performance, I was really happy to see Angela Hill, I think, this, I think Arian was a replacement, I feel like, I thought Hill was fighting somebody, um, let me check, because I, I was, it, it feels like this was like a last minute type deal, yeah, I don't think this ah, was she was the... supposed to fight Estela Nunes, hmm, yeah, yeah, I figured this was a replacement, yeah, um, yeah, like, it, it was cool to see Hill fight somebody who's not, like, j- like, we're sitting here talking about Carnalasi being like a tank, but like it was cool to see somebody who just could not outmuscle her around. Right. Um, which is kind of what we're used to seeing a little bit, but um, when given somebody like around her size, like she is really good. Like we saw her drop um, Jessica Andrade in the clinch, and like she lit Ariane Carnalasi up real nice in the clinch with the elbows. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the one that eventually stopped the fight uh, by having a cut right over the eye. Um, the knees, especially in that first round, she was going to town on Carnos's body with those knees. Um, and she was just too quick for her. Um, un- unlike uh, Jessica Andrade, who basically threw any time Angela Hill stopped moving. Carnalasi was a little bit more judicious with her attacks. Uh, she was equally aggressive, but did not have the volume to back it up. Right. Um, and Hill's and just a tough fighter regardless. Even if you hit her clean, she's not going to back down and um, not going to go down off of one punch alone. So it, it was a pretty good performance from Angela Hill. Yeah. I feel like Hill is, like, deceptively, like, tough. Like, you kind of look at her frame and figure, like, yeah, hey, I catch her one clean time. She's probably out of here. Yeah, no, she is. But, nah, she's, nah. She doesn't really get finished that often. She went. Um, no, she does not. Uh, she's only been stopped by like submission. Yeah, like she's never been like clean cut. You know, tapped on the chin and going to sleep. Like that doesn't happen. Right. Um, yeah, dude. If there was a uh, atom weight division, she'd be. She'd probably find her like center. You know what I mean? In terms of like just right. going back and forth with her record. But um. Yeah, no, great win for Hill. Not a bad debut for Kanalasi, um, especially on short notice. Curious how she does. So, I I have I haven't looked into her like back uh, log of fights, like her biography. But you're coming in at 112 pounds, kind of tells me that uh, you might be an atom weight, or you, like you probably didn't cut weight to make weight this time around. Either that, or you just had like a really irresponsible weight cut. 
Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited to see her fight again. Like, I'm, I'm all for pressure fighters, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. And eventually you'll maybe go against somebody who can bully around. We'll see how that looks. <laughs> we'll find somebody you can get a hold of. And then we can see what she can really do. But, uh, nah, man. Love, love Angela Hill. Great win. Just really slick on the feet. Just sticking and moving knees. Elbow. That finishing elbow was beautiful. And it was like a one-shot elbow, too. Like, just perfectly placed. Yeah, just, just good stuff. Good stuff from Angela Hill, man. Um, so congrats to her. She actually got the win via doctor stoppage. Uh, as Antaku mentioned, opened a pretty nasty cut over her eye. That was such a perfectly placed elbow. Like, the cut was like... that. Her face looked like a movie poster. Where, like, the blood is, like, right above and below the eye. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, that elbow was, like, perfectly placed. Um, now, great, great win for Angela Hill, man. That was an awesome performance. So congrats to her. I uh, got to keep TKO... TKO stoppage. Uh, moving to flyweight. Sergio Pettis versus Tyson Nam. Um, I was really looking forward to the fight. Wanted to see how Nam would do since he's finally in the UFC. Uh, you know. It was, it was a fight. It was cool. <laughs> it was, I wasn't really thrilled one way or another. Um... Like, it was a good performance from Pettis. Like, pretty much a lot of his fight was contested on the feet. Uh, Pettis with pretty decent boxing. Like, good good at the the fundamentals. Not not flashy as, as uh, his older brother. He, he's more of the, the fundamentalist, I guess I would say. But, like, he, he pretty much just was able to outbox Nam for three rounds. Nam tried to walk forward and get things going, but could never really find a consistent groove. Um, I mean, this was basically the the same as the Hill-Karnawazi fight. With, yeah. With the, yeah. the more aggressive fighter coming forward and just walking onto punches. Like, Nam has, like, moments of success. But, like, he has, like, Sean Porter syndrome where he'll crowd his own punches as he's trying to, like, close the distance, it's really weird. It's like, hey, if you were, if, if you picked your shot there a little bit better, you probably could have punched Sergio Pettis, like, underneath his elbow, got him to the body. But, like, you were like, I have to punch him to the head, so I'm going to throw these looping punches around his head and not hit anything. Uh, it was weird. Yeah, I don't have a ton to... It was, it was kind of a Pettis fight. Like, in, in Sergio Pettis fights, like, I feel like he's one of those guys that just kind of takes what you give him. Sergio Pettis has all the tools his brother doesn't, and it shows as to why Anthony Pettis is out here having action fights and he doesn't. <laughs> but it's weird because, like, fundamentally, I think Sergio's more sound in terms of, like, being disciplined, but it's almost like he's too... I don't want to say too disciplined, but he really is like the polar opposite of Anthony. Like Anthony's like, yo, I'm I'm about the action, want to lose. I'm trying to put on the highlight, and like Sergio's like the little Tim Duncan. Like, yeah, I'm just I can't even say that. At least Tim Duncan got the backboard shot. Like, 
not the flashiest thing, but it was cool to look at. And Sergio is just like, I, I just kind of take what you give me. And if it's working, I'm just going to let it keep working. Um, and he, he and I don't really want to downplay. Like, he, he looked good. Like, he pretty much just outboxed Nam for three rounds. And there weren't really too many moments where he was ever in, like, any real danger. But, I don't know. For some reason from Sergio, I'm just, I'm, I'm all, <laughs> and it's probably not going to happen. I probably, it's my fault, I guess, for maybe expecting this from him, because he hasn't shown me otherwise. I guess I'm just waiting for, like, a switch to flick or something. Like, yeah. And it's just, I don't think that's, that just might not be who he is. Like, that just might, and it's not that he's he's not a bad fighter at all. Like, he's really talented. It's just, I'm, I guess I'm just waiting for something else, and I don't think that something else is him. Like, he just... He might not have that. Like this, just might just be who he is. I'm a fight at one pace. I'm I'm really solid fundamentally, and if what I'm doing is working, I'm just gonna do it for as long as I can, as long as it wins me the fight. Not gonna turn it up. Not gonna do anything too crazy. I think he threw like a, he threw he threw like a spinning kick out there, tried to mix it up. Um, did he do like a capoeira kick too? Uh, I'm pretty sure that was. Yeah, it. I think he did one. Yeah, he tried like one. Ended up on his back, I think. But you know, I applaud the effort. I was, I was glad to see that. Like, all right, there you go. That's a little, little pettis blood. But you know, he just kind of goes out there and just kind of just does his thing for three rounds, and it either works or it doesn't. Um, but good win for him. Uh, for Nam, you know, I wanted him to get the W. Like you said, he had little moments, but not, not, not enough uh, substance, I guess. But uh, yeah. That was Sergio Pettis and Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that was probably, uh, like, besides the players, fight, it was probably the least interesting fight on the card. Which sucks, because I like both guys, but... Yeah, you just kind of want to see... Like, I mean, like, the first ten fights of his career, which we all followed because he had the name Pettis attached to him, like, on the regional circuit. He was out here finishing dudes, and when he got to the UFC and got caught a couple of times. It was like, oh, okay, I have to take fewer risks to, to to sustain myself. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah it is what it is. But still a good good performance <clears throat> from, uh, from Sergio. Moving on to the uh, only pair of 205ers uh, on the card. Paul Craig versus Vinicius Moreta. Um... I don't know why I had this thought, but, and I'm not going to go through the whole fight, because it, one, it didn't really last that long anyway, but I'm just going to kind of fast forward a little bit, but the second that, uh, I think they were against the cage, and Morera pulled guard, I just had this feeling like, this is going to go wrong, I feel it, something's going to happen, and this is not going to the way to go, it's not going to go the way Vinicius thinks it's going to go, um, and it didn't, <laughs> um, he pulled guard, tangled on the ground for a minute. Um, I honestly don't remember. I don't remember the moments right before the finish. All I remember is Vinicius was trying to stand up, and boy, Paul Craig had him sized up. Like, boy, as soon as you lift your hands off the ground, you are about to get it. And the second Vinicius got his hands off the ground, Paul Craig 
need him, I think, twice. Mm-hmm. Um, dropped him and then proceeded to just beat the life out of this man. I, I'm going to disagree with you there. He missed every single one of them grunting shots. He got a couple of them. <laughs> he got a couple of them. He was whiffing that air. I, I, I think he hit a shoulder. <laughs> he got a couple to the chin. At least one or two of them landed. I applaud. He tried. <laughs> I had to see the replay. I only, wa- only watched this fight once. <laughs> you know, either way, the, the knees definitely did the damage. Like, Morero was kind of curled up. It's kind of... Whether Paul Craig was eating shot, whether Paul Craig was swinging that air or not, uh, it looked as if Morera was curled up. He wasn't. Uh, he didn't want any more smoke. And then uh, Paul Craig just sinks in the uh, rear naked choke, and uh, game over. That is it. Is that a, is Paul Craig on a win streak? Uh, I want to say this is the second one in a row. I think he lost to Jimmy Crew. Uh, he lost to Alonzo Menafield. That's what it was. Oh, okay. So he's he's, he, he's win loss win loss so far. Yeah. And is Vinicius a tough guy? Uh, I want to say he was on tough Brazil. No, he was a Dana White contender series guy. Hmm. But he is now zero three in the UFC. Yeah, it's uh. Is he the total beat? No, he's not. Okay. Albeit, well, you know what? Never mind. I was going to try to shoot him some bail. (laughs) But, yeah. 0-3. Not not the best of looks. Probably won't uh, be seeing him in the UFC for a while. I mean, by heavyweight, bro. Bodies are bodies. That is true. That is true. That is true. But, uh... Well, I don't remember actually if he had any thoughts other than Craig swinging at, uh... <laughs> no, good for, uh, good one for Paul Craig. Just that, that's basically it. Um, yeah. Light heavyweight is just such a weird division. Like, because this used to be the division where, like, guys, like, stopped, like, where the athletic bar used to be. Or, like, you could have a Rashad Evans or Leo Machida, and they're, like, super athletic. And then, like, you go up any bigger than the guys are just, like, awkwardly falling over their own feet. <laughs> but now it kind of feels like it's that... Di- it, it, it is that division. Where, like... It is. <laughs> if it, like... Uh, they mentioned this on the Heavy Hands podcast this week, because I think some... Uh, I think they were talking about the Glover fight, where, like, Glover was on Nikita Krylov's back, and Nikita Krylov tripoded up to get out. And it's, and if this was happening at like lightweight, what would happen is the guy on top would like let go, and like crawl his way off of the guy's back and like maybe step over him so that he wouldn't like just fall over and land on his back. But here's Glover Teixeira, like an accomplished jujitsu fighter, in his own like outside of MMA, and he just kind of falls over. <laughs> it's that division. It- Hey, man, he's like 40 years old. <laughs> and he's still a top five fighter. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's 205 for you, man. Just shenanigans on shenanigans. But we watch it. It's a thing. 
But congrats to Paul Craig. Got the red naked choke win. Um, no, I want to hear your thoughts on this next fight. Uh, Women's Bantamweight, Batch Kohea uh, versus Sajara Eubanks. And this will actually be the last fight that I can comment on because I did not see the uh, very first fight on the card. Um, I liked it. Like, oh my God. Uh, I, another fighter I think has become too memefied to actually be looked at critically. Batches is an okay fighter. Like, she's super limited, don't get me wrong. Like, she's not gonna, like, she's not, like, an all-time great women's fighter. But, like, she knows how to fight. She knows how to protect herself in there. And this is, like, her 10th fight in the UFC. So I'm not surprised that, like, Sajara Eubanks, who, on paper should have bulldozed Correa and to an extent did in the first round where she got her down and just beat the crap out of her. Uh, I'm not surprised that like Eubanks kind of just ran out of ideas on the back half of the fight when Correa adjusted. Um, like, really? Like, I, I don't know. I'm not just a sucker for people who don't like body shots. Like you, you know this. We all know this. Like, I, if you throw body shots, I'm probably gonna rate you way better than you actually are. <laughs> but Betts made it work. Got behind the jab, started throwing those hooks to the body. Then, like, after like the the second or third body shot that Betts do, it seemed pretty good that Eubanks just wanted nothing to do with her. Um, in, in the pocket anyway, and like started fighting from the outside. Betch picked up the pressure, started working behind her jab more, putting like these long combinations together and punctuating them with body shots. And it was just it was the crafty veteran taking on the inexperienced um up and comer who because of her athleticism and size has been able to truck everybody else. Um it, it, I thought it was a fine fight. I was uh, I was a little surprised. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie. Um, I was positive Eubanks was gonna win this fight. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that was a fair <laughs> assumption. Like in that first round, it looked like it was gonna go that way. Uh, right, like she, you know, had the hands going, landed good shots. Um, she landed some really strong ground and pound in that first round, and I was like, all right, this is going the way I kind of thought it would go. She's gonna kind of. She's eventually, I, I was like, she's eventually going to get a stop. It's like, this, her strength is just going to be too much. Like, she's going to, she's eventually going to break Betch at some point. And the first round, it looked like it was going to happen. And then after that, it didn't. Um, and not to say that she didn't, uh, Eubanks didn't have any more moments. But when I realized Betch wasn't going away, and then she started working that body, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I think, uh, I think the fight's slipping. And in the back of my mind, I was like, Eubanks, please don't, don't, don't give this up. And I mean, Eubanks was out there scrapping. Like, it, it was a good fight. They were both out there scrapping. But you could just feel the momentum just slowly just kind of, kind of inching its way over to Betch's side. And I was like, oh, boy. And, yeah, by that third round, it was like, oh, man, Betch might actually, uh, she might win this. <laughs> like, she might actually win this fight. Um, 
I can't remember the number on the graphic uh, when they showed the, uh, I don't know if it was strikes landed. It had something to do with strikes. But obviously in the first round, like, Eubanks, like, was ahead of her by, like, a mile. And then in the second, the gap kind of closed. And then by the third, like, Betch was just, like, way ahead. And it just seemed like maybe it was a pace that I don't know if Eubanks could have kept, could keep up with. That, coupled with all the body shots, would probably help empty the gas tank a little earlier. Um, yeah, uh, great, great fight from Betch. Like, she survived the storm in that first round, got through, and was able to just gut her way out and take that second and third. And it's got to suck for you, Banks, because it's like you, you were having, you had moments of success during the fight, but it just, uh, I don't know, sometimes you need a little more. <laughs> I guess sometimes you just need that extra oomph. And it wasn't for lack of effort. They they were both out there throwing, but that's just, like I said, able to capitalize, work the body. Um, and once she got her volume going and the fight became a little more even, she was just kind of able to gut it out. Um, and she twerked for everybody. Hey. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> Dude, you know what? Do what you got to do, stand out. Fuck it. Hey, right. And if you want to have, like, who have her fun? She just want to fight. I, I was going to say, and to be honest, I feel like at this point, uh, I'm not going to say she's like a spectacle. But I do feel like she is like a MMA, like a person that, like, I think feel like people look at her more of a personality than like a fighter. Like, like, I feel like if you read comments about Betch, it's not even about fighting. Like, I don't know. She's one of those fighters, I feel like. Kind of like how you said a while, I think, how you think like people don't take her maybe as seriously as they should. I, I don't know. It's, I mean, she was on her but, way to beating Aldana. Before Adana got that submission, yeah, like she's not a bad fighter. She's not like I think the earlier half of her career. I, I like, think some of the losses that she's had, like those, kind of just stick out in people's heads, right? And they don't give her any more credit than oh, Holly Holm nearly killed. I her mean, that was after three. But that was also after three rounds of like. I can't even call it competitive, but like it's not like home like was beating the brakes right. off her. The only person to right. do that so far has been Ronda Rousey. Right. But yeah, I feel like just those two losses just kind of kind of just stick out for people, so they they don't really take her that. And then you add in the twerking and all that, and it's like yeah, people don't really. Take you see, thing, you see like the the stuff that she said about Rousey's uh, about like Rousey like killing herself. And like her, her begging Holly Holm to hit her before it getting oh, yeah. really knocked out <laughs> almost instantly. Yeah, like that's the type of stuff people remember. Like, yeah, yeah you know what? I can't even fault you. <laughs> yeah, you can't beg to be hit and then get hit and die. Yeah, like, like. <laughs> that, you know what? That I get, but like the twerking, like yeah, her having fun and just like fucking around in the cage, like who the fuck cares? Yeah, it is what it like, is. Yeah, man. Uh, like is it any worse than freaking Tito Ortiz's like grave digger shit? After he laid right. praise on somebody for like three rounds. <laughs> yeah, I am mad at it. Go have your yeah, go have your fun. I mean, she's out here. She's she's winning uh, in a fight that I think a lot of people, like I said, my, myself. My included. favorite part of the whole. My favorite. I'm sorry to cut you off. I just remembered. My favorite part of the whole thing is that she started twerking. 
And then they cut to like some random woman with a Brazilian flag in the crowd. And then they come back to her. And then she starts twerking again. <laughs> he said, nah, y'all got done. I'm not done. Y'all gonna see these cheeks. <laughs> I've worked hard for this. Um, but hey, man. Congrats to Betch. Won a fight that I think a lot of us didn't think she would. Uh, really tough competitor. Like, if you allow her to stay around in the fight, you know, she she might gut one out on you. And you got to go home and look in the mirror and be like, damn, I'll I, I probably let that one go. But congrats to Betch Cohea. Got the uh, unanimous decision over Fajaro Eubanks. Uh, this last fight I can't comment on, but Claudio Puelas got a unanimous decision. Ah, unanimous decision over Marcos Rosa Mariano. It was Puelas out wrestling, out grappling Marcos Mariano for Mar- uh, for three rounds. It wasn't really anything crazy, but the the most interesting part of the fight was um, Mariano uh, Puelas. Puelas got a he was hunting for that Kimura all fight, but in the third round he got the Kimura. Uh, well, he got the grip locked in, and Mariano went to go block it by grabbing his own shorts. And then Michael Bisbing was having a freaking meltdown on commentary, saying, that's illegal, you're not allowed to do that. No, you can't. Yeah, no, it's completely illegal. You are 100% <laughs> allowed to grab your own shorts. And um, Brandon Fitzgerald had to, had to nudge him and be like, you're allowed to do that. And Michael Bisbing was like, oh... And he's a and Fitzgerald was like, "It's okay, you weren't known for your grappling." <laughs> and Michael Bisping <laughs> held on for that for the rest of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what fight it was. It might have been the Grasso fight where he brought it back up. <laughs> but Fitzgerald, uh, Fitzgerald during that whole thing was like, "Yeah, I got a white belt." Uh, I only got a white belt, and like B- Michael Bisping was like, "Okay, I'm gonna remember that." And during the Grasso fight, like, <laughs> they were breaking something down, and Bisping just turns to Fitzgerald and is like, "Brandon, you got a white belt? Explain to the audience what's going on." Right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's those it's those little moments <laughs> where like. I know some people don't like commentary, but it's those little moments of why I will always appreciate commentary. Because those little moments are gems. You know, <laughs> you know after that car was over <laughs> in the post-production room. Oh, yeah, we're, we're about to wrestle. He probably just shot a double on him in the back. That is <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> oh, man. Shout out to Brandon Fitzgerald. Did you did, him ducking for cover when they started throwing bottles was hilarious because like and I didn't realize it until I saw the video because during during when it actually happened during the main event you hear his commentary and it doesn't sound like he's doing anything like when he's describing what's happening but no nah, he was under the desk like the entire time and it's it's funny but good lord God love commentators man. I love him. That was a uh, <laughs> that was UFC Mexico City. Um, it was an experience. Um, well, you know what? You know what? Let me be fair. 
if you remove the main event, which sucks that you have to say that because it's the main event, but if you remove the main event uh, shenanigans and you remove your fanhood from anybody you may have been attached to on this card, it was a good card. There were a lot of good fights. A lot of good, there, were, there were some good moments. It was a solid night of fights. But if you mix in your fanhood and then with maybe how you felt about any of these scorecards on certain fights, you might feel some kind of way. But strictly just off of fights, it was a, it was a really solid card. It just that main event kind of sucked the air out of a lot of what this card was. Like they had a good thing going. And then the main event happened, and it was kind of like, uh, you know, you were waiting for the giant payoff, and you never got the payoff. Right. But it was still a solid night of fights. I, I can't say it was, wasn't was worth watching. Like, definitely go back and watch Grasso versus Esparza. Definitely watch Brandon Moreno and Askarov. Um, really, the, the whole main card was, was really, was, was pretty good. I enjoyed the main card. And the prelims had, had good happenings, too. Like, the Nelson... Polo Reyes KO. Um, if you want to watch Keonis just styling somebody for three rounds, you can watch that. Uh, Angela Hill's fight was really dope. Uh, watch the Paul Craig finish. And like I said, Betch Cohea and Eubanks. It was a good card. It was a, it was a good card. It's just there were little, little things here and there that just kind of derailed it. And then the ending was just like, ah, like you just kind of threw your hands up and flipped the table. Like, <laughs> can't believe y'all did this to me. But it was a good night of fights. Good night of fights. Um, that was UFC Mexico City. So if you have uh, ESPN Plus or any other alternative methods that you use, uh, I would encourage you to go back and watch the card. At least to watch the card for the fight that you were interested in. Chances are it was probably a good fight. Uh, so it's great. Shouts to uh, yeah, shouts to everybody at UFC Mexico City. But that's all we got uh, for the days. Uh, fights so uh what's going on next week on the 28th we will have ufc fight night i ain't naming the number what city is copenhagen it? ufc fight night yeah copenhagen, copenhagen. denmark oh it's cop no. Oh. No, no it's copenhagen it? oh <laughs> but ufc copenhagen going down next week on the 28th that is headlined by jack hermanson and jared cannonier also on the card, you got Gunnar Nelson versus Gilbert Burns, Lando Venata versus Mark Diacasey, Sire Bahasura versus Ismail Naradi, Brandon Davis versus Giga Chikadisi. How do you say that? <laughs> um, Mace Chiasone's on the card against Lena Landsberg. Ian Kudalaba's on the card against Khalil Roundtree. OSP against Michelle Olis. I can't say that last name. I'm going to get that wrong. But... Like a solid night, like a pretty. There should be a couple of good moments on this card. I think it'll be cool. Uh, so that will be going down on the twenty eighth. Twenty eighth is a uh, Bellator. Guy. Yes, that is uh, the yeah, uh, Patricio Pitbull one Archuleta card. Ooh, to be honest, y'all, Bell Bellator uh, is a better card. Yeah, the Bellator card is definitely a better card. Man. Uh, yeah, also on the 28th. Patricio Pitbull versus Juan Archuleta. Gegard Musasi versus Machida. Darian Caldwell versus Her uh, Henry Corrales. Daniel Vitel versus Saul Rogers. AJ McKee versus jo uh, Georgie Caracanya. And Leandro Higo versus Sean Bunch. <laughs> and, and Antonio McKee. Yes. 
And yeah, you heard that right. Antonio McKee. Papa McKee. Versus, yeah. Papa McKee versus William Sriapal. Um, you know, I, I can't say the next card because I vowed to never bring him up on this podcast again, but he's fighting. Uh, no, nah, this, this card's fire. This card is heat. Like, <laughs> yeah, if, if, to be honest, if you got if you can only watch one of these, I honestly would tell you to watch the Bellator one. Yeah. They also have their Ireland card on Friday, the, the day before, but I don't think anybody's excited about that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, I'll take a gander who's on. I mean, it does have Benson Henderson, Miles Jury, which is a fine fight. Uh, There's a cup. Uh, all right, you got Gallagher Salazar, MVP versus Richard Kelly. Kelly, how we say it? Uh, Ryan Scope versus Peter Quilly. I remember Ryan Scope. That might be decent. Yeah, Bendo versus Miles Jury, which I'll definitely watch. Outside of that, John Tuck, Brandon Gertz. Where's Gertz at? He's on. Uh, yes. All right, so yeah, if it's a Brandon Gertz fight, you gotta watch that. Any any Brandon Gertz fight is uh. It's worth a watch. But that card, not as good as the other one. But, you know, it might be decent. It might be. If nothing, at least watch the main card. It'll, it'll probably it'll probably be okay, at least. Hey, um, we do got some uh, some boxing, though. Uh, we, we got Errol Spence Jr. fighting Sean Porter hey. on the 28th. Um, I think, is that the same card as Andre Durrell, David Benavides? I believe so. Um, so you got a pretty good back-to-back right there. I think it's on pay-per-view, though, so you know, if uh, I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of different ways to watch it. Yeah, I gotta, gotta yeah, I gotta catch both of those, though, because I've definitely uh, gotta catch uh, L. Spence, and definitely gotta watch uh, Benavidez, so uh, Next week's gonna be gonna be good, man. It's oh. gonna be a lot to gonna be a lot to talk about. Yeah, they got um, Nicole Adams is fighting on Friday, too. Um, she's coming back off an of injury. Uh, she was supposed to have her first world title shot um, sometime earlier this year, but she got hurt, and she hasn't been seen since. Um, and heavyweight, uh, British heavyweight um, sensation slash up-and-comer slash whatever, Daniel Dubois. Is he British? I want to say he is British. He's fighting in London, but he has a French name, which throws me off. Yeah, Daniel Dubois, or Dubois, or however the hell you pronounce his name. Uh, he'll be fighting on Friday on that Nicole Adams as the headliner on the Nicole Adams card against Ebenezer Tete, Tete from Ghana, who is 31 but looks like he's 45. <laughs> and what's essentially a stay busy fight for uh, the boys. Um, yeah, so there's a bunch of stuff going on next week. Yeah, next week you can definitely get in where you fit in. I there's gonna be a, a lot going around. Think there's a Gory card next week? Uh, am I mistaken? Is Gory sixty-seven next week? Uh, let's see. Is that the? That's not the Miami one, is it? I wanna say it is. Yes. Uh, Gory, my uh, sixty-eight Miami Perea versus Abina. Will be oh yeah yeah today. Yeah, there we go. Oh yeah, so next yeah next week's gonna be crazy. Yes. Yeah, next week's gonna be fire, and I'm definitely um, man. I don't know how I'm gonna watch all this, <laughs> but I really wanted to see that uh, Pereira fight because he's going up uh, for history, trying to get two belts. So um, 
Yeah, if nothing else, I gotta at least just catch that fight or try to. Yep. So, yeah, next week when we come in here, yeah, there'll, there'll probably be a lot. Uh, it'll be a lot to cover, but uh, yeah. So next week should be fun. We'll do our yeah. best. Yeah, we'll do our best. Be ready for a, a four-hour podcast. I mean, <laughs> you know who we haven't heard from in forever. And since the UFC uh, and I guess Bellator are going to Europe, we have. I, I think we should. I think we should call in our European fight card expert. Yeah, I was honestly just thinking about him this morning, looking through cards. I was like, which of these cards is obscure enough that Joey's gonna <laughs> hop on? And then I, I looked at the Singapore one. I was like, I feel like Joey would do this one. But then I was like, it's. It, but I feel like the the card has to be obscure. In fighters and location, because I feel like he pops up on like cards for places that nobody would even think to go to. UFC Krakow. Right. <laughs> so I was like, Singapore might not be. It might not be obscure enough, but yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll, yeah, we we'll probably have to fit Joey in here. One, one of these. Uh, one of these cards would be obscure enough to get him on. So Joey, if you're listening. Uh, you're being recruited. <laughs> Find your obscure card of the month in October or or late uh, September and, and be ready. Um, but no, lots of dope fights coming up. So next week should be dope. But that's all we got for today's episode. So we can go ahead and close with uh, parting shots and shout outs. Uh, so I don't have this in front of me, and I'm probably going to get this wrong. Actually, you will probably know about this more than I would, but um, I'm going to give it, <laughs> I gotta give a Pokemon shout-out. Um, I saw that Farfetch'd evolved. Yes. He has a new form. Yes. Shout-out to Farfetch'd. He had a glow-up. Uh, I can't remember what his new form is called, but... Sir Fetchington. <laughs> yes. I actually have no wait. Is that what it's called? Because I actually have no fucking idea. Hold on, but I think it is, sir. Or is that what people are calling him? Yeah. Now it's gonna bug me. Uh, sir fetched. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to sir fetched. Hey man, I knew you could. I knew you had it in you to get the glow up, homie. I knew you had it in you. I like how it starts just a giant onion. <laughs> Shout out to sir fetched. Um, and my second shout out, um, you'll never hear me do this, uh, very often, uh, shouting out a billionaire. Mm. Um, yeah, that doesn't happen often. This might be the only time it happens. Uh, it sounds like you lost me here. I know, I know, but I have to applaud good deeds. Like, one that actually seems, I'm gonna step out on a limb, that seems genuine. So, I'm gonna put myself out there. But, gentlemen out there... Who I had never heard of until like last year. Um, uh, his name is Robert F. Smith. How all the billionaires have all like these super normal names? But Robert F. Smith. Um, I don't know if he graduated from Morehouse. He did. Um, okay. All right. So he's paying off student debt. Um, but then it recently came out. I don't know if this was today or yesterday. Um, not only is he wiping the student, uh, the debt from the students, but he is also going to pay off the debt uh, for the loans that the parents had to take out, which 
came out to the tune of 34 mil. Um, and that covers over 400 graduates. Um, and obviously he has the money. Dude is worth, I think according to this article, he's worth $5 billion. He runs some kind of, uh, what is this, a venture capital firm called Vista Equity Partners, whatever that is. Um, but you know what? I saw this and I was like, you know what? Pretty much everybody I know who went to college is still in debt one way or another. Yep. Still, still making those payments, and I think it's awesome that not only did you pay off the debt of the students who, like, leaving college with no debt is, like, boy, do you set yourself up in a, it, to be in, that's, that's a good spot to be in, to graduate, especially spend, like, four years at a, a known college and leave with no debt. That's got to be a great feeling. Um, it shouldn't be set up that acts like this have to happen for kids to graduate with no debt, but that's a whole other discussion that we don't really got time to get into. But you know what? I'll give a shout-out to Robert F. Smith. Congrats to, you know, not congrats, a shout-out to paying off the debt for these kids who will now be set up for a much better future, and especially, like, paying off the parents, too, who probably didn't really have the money to do this, but, you know, you want your kid to succeed you want them to have the best chance to be set up for the future so you kind of just got to do what you got to do um so shout out to him for wiping some slates clean for some people who probably really really needed it and i'm pretty sure there'll be some stories from that class who probably will go on to do great things and a lot of it will be you know due to the fact that they were able to leave college with no debt Um, so i'll give him a shout out for that I, i thought that was pretty dope Probably never shout out another billionaire again. <sighs> but please, <laughs> I will give him that one. I'll give him that one. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, hey, right, better than what Bezos is doing with his money, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I have like six shout outs because I couldn't limit it down because there's a lot going on this week. Um, first off. Shouts to Gangstar. I, well, I guess DJ Premier, rest in peace, Guru. Um, they dropped a new song for the first time in like 17 years. And like eight years after Guru died. Um, it's been eight years. When did Guru die again? It was 2013? Yeah, it's been some time. Yeah. But um, it's, really, it's, a, it's actually a really good song. And apparently it's going to be a new album. Uh, Family and Loyalty. Go listen to it. It's featuring J. Cole. Uh, uh, yeah, I was, I was actually kind of surprised. I went on, like, the, um, the Gangstar Spotify page, and, like, they have, like, full clip has, like, 55 million listens. Hmm. And I, for whatever reason, I just wasn't expecting that. No, people love Gangstar. I know, but, like... Hip hop acts don't have legs like rock acts do from the same era. You know what I mean? All right. Like Blake One Eighty Two is going to be storing uh, touring stadiums for the rest of their lives. Well, I don't know. Um, Big Daddy Kane is probably going to be stuck on reunion tours doing like one thousand fifteen hundred seat arena, uh, fifteen hundred street venues. Oh no, they still a lot of those legendary acts still do good. They do great overseas, not so uh, much in the states. Because overseas kind of appreciates it a lot more than we do. Okay, that's good to know. We're, we're, we're spoiled. 
<laughs> but like, I'm ha- I'm happy like they're still getting lessons and people still care about them, and the songs are probably doing pretty well. So like I, I'm I'm hopeful for this album. Um, yeah, I'm gonna skip this next one. Uh, shouts to uh, I don't have a Nintendo Switch, but I want one strictly to play Untitled Goose Game. Oh, I'm going to play that either tonight or tomorrow. Because <laughs> you're telling me I can play a very annoying bird that just honks <laughs> at people? That's all I want in my life. Oh, man. I bought that ASAP yesterday. The second I woke up. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but that's all I want in my life, man. I, I just want to be, like, I, I I love a good video game where you don't have to shoot somebody or fight somebody. It's just like you could just be super fucking annoying and just piss everybody off, and they can't do a shit about it. It's great. Um, also, uh, WNBA news and shoutouts. Shoutouts to um. Well, I guess the four teams in the semifinals, but shout-outs to the Mystics and the Connecticut Sun uh, specifically because it looks like they're going to go on to the finals. They're both up 2-0 in the semis. Um, if they do, I'm going to try and make it out to a Connecticut Sun game uh, in, uh, because they're only like two and a half, three hours away. So shout-outs to that. Shout-outs to my Liberty for getting the number one draft pick uh, for next year. We're taking Sabrina Ionescu. Uh, Ionescu um Triple double machine. That's like the record for most in college history or something like that. Men's or women. So excited about that. Um shout out to my new favorite Twitter account. Uh Communist Bops. Which is nothing but Soviet soldiers dancing <laughs> to modern hits. Uh I'm trying to decide which was my favorite so far. Uh I think it was the one that was them dancing to Mr. Brightside. Because, good God, that was great. Um, go follow them, or at least check them out. It's funny as shit. Um, and last and most somberly, I guess, the, UA, uh, the UAW and Kaiser hospital workers are on strike currently. Um, I believe a UAW member uh, was arrested by the police last night for striking. Um, yep, solidarity with all workers. Also, speaking of strikes, shout outs to all the kids who stri- uh, who were on strike during the climate strike on this previous, I think it was Monday. Um, the kids are all right, Mike Sensei. Sorry, save the children. The, the, the children are all right. Shout out to those goth kids who are like, We want to die, but the earth doesn't. <laughs> that was their sign and I respect that <laughs> oh man um so I think that's all I got oh actually you know shouts to um what's the dude's name Demi Ade uh Juyimbe Juyimbe ah, trash with names sorry guys um who has consistently over the past few years put out a YouTube video with him dancing to uh, September by Earth, Wind, and Fire, and uh, 
every year it gets more and more elaborate and brilliant and fantastic. And the one he put out for this year featured a mariachi band and him editing, editing himself into the music video for the song. <laughs> and it was a pure joy to watch. Go check that out. Um, it's on YouTube. So that's all I got. Hey, Lance, I'm cool with the, the epic shout-out list. Uh, uh, and I always feel like I come on here and it's last minute, so I actually took the time to write these down. <laughs> yeah, I, I never think about it like a minute before we start recording. Like, who do I want to try to get prepped to? Oh, man. Shout-out to the Mariachi band. I appreciate y'all. Y'all out here doing God's work. Always, always. Y'all were great when I went to New York. <laughs> but uh yeah man that's all we got for today's episode as always give us a listen on soundcloud youtube apple podcast spotify google play send questions to dojo talk podcast at yahoo.com hit us up on social media at the dojo talk podcast facebook page as well as the instagram page follow me on twitter and twitch at Serial Sensei, where I will be playing that Goose Simulator game probably within the next day or two. And if you want to support me, buy my book, The All Bar Chronicles, 99 cents on Amazon uh, for digital copy, $8.99 for a physical. And that is all we got for today's episode. So as always, anytime people are being punched and or kicked in the face, we will be there to talk about it. And until next time, we will catch you guys later.